No portion of this program may be reproduced The biggest name. You're listening to Sports Radio 560 WQAM. Miami, Fort Lauderdale. The most Marlins, you know, something to kind of one o'clock. If we still had the Marlins, 12.30, we'd be out of here. Damn it. Crap. I know. Neil got out. WQAM. Where the faggot is. I don't want to go on a lynching party against Michelle Obama unless... Well, Fox, Bill O'Reilly's a purveyor of hate. Green tooth rednecks think he's great. Yeah, they're not. Bill did what he does best. I don't want to go on a lynching party against Michelle Obama unless... Hang him. Hang him. Take Bill O'Reilly and hang him. All right. Hang him from the highest tree. One less neocon free. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> well, O'Reilly ain't no done I miss. Only right wingers can say things like this. Rose and knife at Obama's wife. I don't want to go on a lynching party against Michelle Obama unless hang him, hang him, take Bill O'Reilly and hang him. Hang the bad ass from a tree. Wouldn't let the Ocon freak. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> I'd like to tie him to the back of my big old bone and drag his tasty ass down a gravel road. Make him wince, wrench and twist, till his hair off the flesh off a son of a bitch. Hang him, hang him, uh-huh. take Bill O'Reilly and hang him. Uh-huh. Hang his white ass from a tree. Let's kneel, con freak. <laughs> You're right, man. That's good. Let's play that all day for four Do it. hours. I played it say. twice. All right. You did? Yeah. I don't want to go on a lynching party. Well, <laughs> not in a row, you know. A well, couple hours know. later. I said let's play it all day. Sure. I gave it some space. Oh, come on. In betwixt. Well, we got Chris back with us today. Fat Chris, who had uh, his wisdom pulled out or something like that. Root what canal. do you have, uh, Don? Root canal. Root canal. Uh-huh. Baby root, baby root canal. Well, I can honestly say I never had one of those. Me happy. Why, is it that bad? It wasn't, that, it wasn't so bad getting it done. It's just yesterday. Uh, the pain? Yeah. In Spain? When it rains. Resonates in your brain? I, George said they put you on a whole bunch of good drugs. Yeah, yeah, I hooked you up with some Vicodin. Yeah, and? That's uh, my first time doing it, and uh, it was They hooked trip. me up with some Vicodin. What they idiot. hooked him on some Vicodin. Yeah, they hooked him. Yeah, you're hooked now. Yep. Like Rush. If you hear the sound of pill popping, so we don't have Rush on this day. Thank God. We got uh, Chris popping a few Vicodins. Yeah, All right, let's take nice a look at the pool now. Let's uh, cut the crap. Did Eric get my message about uh, getting that new pool on there? He must be working on it, or maybe he's just uh, not there. Is he in his window? He is in the window. He's in the little window? Yes. I'm sure I faxed him that poll. It's the one about the oral sex again. Oh, my God. Anyway, here's the one from yesterday. The best ice cream brand is 909. So we'll get to that 1,000 pretty quick. So we're going to have to change the poll once we get to 1,000. How about about bacon-flavored ice cream? Mm. (laughs) That might make you do that. 
The best ice cream brand, Ben & Jerry's, wins in a landslide, man, 275. Haagen-Dazs, which is sometimes, they got some good flavors, but it's too watery. You know what I mean when I say that, don't you? I sure do. It's watery. Right. 139. And especially when you like can nuke it like I do. I mean, I, first of all, there's no way, if you go into a convenience store and get a pint of ice cream, there's no way to eat it without nuking it. Correct. Because it's, it's like a block of ice. Am Correct. I right? Yes. Now, probably when you go into your supermarket, it's not like that because they have things, you know, con- temperature control a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But in the freezer in your neighborhood convenience store, I don't know. They got it like uh, like the end of yeah, like it no, is here, not right sub-zero. now. Like minus eighteen. You know something? It is so cold here now. It's like the end of the world. Oh, there's Ellie Felching on CNN. What a screamer! Anyway, it's uh, like the end of the world here. Sunny. It looks really nice sitting here. Oh, it's all the way up to minus seventeen now. All right. It was minus eighteen this morning, Celsius. And uh, the wind chill last night was minus 30. Now, do we have any idea how cold that is? Like 10 below zero, something like that? It was like the end of the world. And it still is. Oh, the wind chill now is minus 25. But tomorrow, we're going to get a little snow, but all the way up to zero. All right. So things aren't as bad as they, you know. Anyway, Ben and Jerry's 275, Hagen does, watery 139. That banana nut was great, but like I said yesterday, they stopped making it. I can't find it. I'm looking for it, but I can't find it. Not ice cream, yeah, either. I heard you were a banana nut. I'm looking for it. I am a banana nut. I like the banana, and I like the nut. Anyway, yeah. Cold Stone Creamy, 122, <laughs> 123, moved into a very respectable turd. i got to be very, very honest with you, uh, being the connoisseur that I am of uh, all kinds of ice creams. I, I think Cold Stone Creamy is as good as it gets. I don't think it gets any better than that. Well, looks like I'm going to have to uh, go in there. You'll love it. In fact, probably you shouldn't go in there because then you'll get hooked and then you'll blame me. It's good stuff, man. If I do, I, I, I bet you. Me. I bet you, uh, Chris has had some. Coldstone, I've been there twice. Right? You didn't like it? No, it's very good. It's just, it's too good. So thankfully, we don't rich. have a lot of them down here, and uh, it's kind of it's you know it, it's is a it too rich ten minute drive. It's very I don't know if it's too rich, but it is very rich. Eric got your new pole, by the way. Attaboy, boy, Eric, you're the best, man. There it is. No, it says nothing to switch. I don't know. He got it, but he don't have it up there yet. Well, if you can't get it up, you certainly can't uh, do what that poll question is. But anyway, Cold Stone sure Creamy stirred 123. Briars, 103. And like I said, I said yesterday that I don't think I've had Briars in a long time. I'm wrong, because Briars makes some of these uh, um, candy flavors, I'm pretty sure. Right? Right. But I don't know what they are. Publix, 53. In fact, maybe Briars makes score. Is it Briars or Nestle? I don't know. Maybe they both make it. Publix 53, I'm off of it, though. What was the one that I was uh, hooked on so big uh, four or five years ago? Not fish. Nestle's meat. Turtle. Oh, the, okay. Mm, I haven't seen good. that in a in a dog's age. I haven't seen a turtle in a dog's age? Nestle's Turtle. I told you about Myrtle the Turtle. When I was a little kid, we had a little turtle called Myrtle, and my mom threw it out. She thought it was dead. Right. I was just taking a nap. Mom's she was like a grim that. reaper, like, man. She just kills everything. Yeah. Well, now she's dead. Yeah. And so is uh, Bill Buckley. Oh, yeah. And Myron Coke. That's right. I had a little well, you party. Were here, uh, oh, yes, you were. You were just uh, not. You were not. Uh, I still don't know who that is, and I still don't care. Myron Cope. He was like the Johnny Most of Pittsburgh football screamer. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Publix fifty three. Bastard Robbins forty seven. Which I put right up there. Uh, it's just pretty damn good. Edie's thirty five. Oh, fat. You know, I hate to say that because remember that nice guy that from worked for Edie's. They used to bring mm-hmm. us in all the free ice cream all the time. I think going way back to IOD even. And I always rip them because I, I can't. I don't like their ice cream. I'm sorry. I, I'm not sorry. I just don't like. Do you like Edie's? Whatever. No. Uh, Remember, I can take or leave ice cream. 
That's not the question. Jesus K. Christ, man. That's all, I'm not oh. a connoisseur. It's all you know something, whatever. There are, there are times you just wear me out. You just wear me out with this. Cause okay. We, are, we already know that. You've established it. You said, yeah. you said it how many thousand times did you say yesterday? About 30,000 30, times. Like it. I like it fine. Me. I like it fine. Edie's. Dairy Queen 29. Now, that's an insomnia because Dairy Queen doesn't make ice cream or even a close facsimile thereof. That goes to show you how many people have grown up in the age of... Right. Uh, although oh. back, uh, there was a place called Carol's. Carol's was like uh, kind of like a McDonald's type place in upstate mm -hmm. New York way back here when I was a kid. And they had soft serve, too. So they've been making that soft... Well, I mean, soft right. serve is nothing new. There's nothing wrong with the, uh, the soft ice cream, but the thing, like, like, I remember going to Dairy Queen as a little kid and asking for chocolate ice cream, and they tell you, we don't have that. No, oh, they only have vanilla soft serve. Right, they, just they can mousse. dip your cone, and I'm like, that's not... You yeah, don't have chocolate ice cream? Uh, right. How can you call yourself an ice cream place and you don't have chocolate ice cream? Well, they're not. They're not. Carvel 29, which also, um, well, it's kosher, though. Oh, good. Dove Bar 21, Godiva 16. Godiva, Godiva ice cream is very good, but probably most people haven't found it. Don't look for it. Okay. It'll kill you. Seal Test went all the way up to 15. That's Starbucks 12, Edie's Dreamery 10, and Nestle's only 8. And that's because Nestle's don't make a lot of ice cream flavors, but they sure as hell that Nestle's turtle was good. Oh, baby. Now, that's bad that I discovered that, that I started thinking about that again, because now I'll go looking for it. And that's not good. We have 900. Look at that, Chris. We did a good job for you, 925 on the poll. Oh, That's because right. we switched to midstream yesterday. Because I got sick of whatever the one was, the poll was before that. Oh, it was okay. It was about who do you uh, hate the most, Dan Coulter, one of those deals. Or like Bill O'Reilly. I don't want to go on a lynching party again. That one, that idiot, that Nazi bastard. Now, you're going to love this story. What a way to start on a Thursday. Oh, and look what we got today. We got uh, the jer Jerk Show is back. He was off yesterday. We had D.A. on from 2 to 4. Real bonus there for the audience. But now we got the Jerks guy back again. Is he in L.A.? Is that the deal? I would assume so. He's got to be because that's where the uh, Heat are going to lose again tonight. Oh, God. So so much effort and so little uh, to show for. You know, How about those Leafs beat the Panthers in the shootout last night at the Macarena? How do you like that? Not surprising. Getting, what do you mean by that? The Panthers beat him here last time. They played eight to nothing. That embarrassment and humiliation and the degradation. Matt Sundee tied it up twice. That a boy, Matt's. He doesn't want to leave because I don't know. I don't know why he doesn't want to leave. We want yeah, you to leave. It's now. like me here at QAM. I'm the Matt Sundee of uh, QAM. We want you to leave, Neil. No, I'm not leaving. I'm staying. Even that crappy offer they made me, I might just go ahead and take that. And of course, uh, we'll see. For a hundred years, though. Oh, and I, can I clarify one thing before I finish the schedule? Okay. Saturday is not my birthday. Now, some of the MySpacers are confused, and it's not their fault. It's because MySpace lists people's birthdays right? when they're coming up in a couple of days. The problem with that is is that on our, on our MySpace page for the show, it says age 31 years. Well, that, when Miguel made the page, that was uh, the show been on the air for 31 years. So it's the Neil Rogers show page, not per my personal page. Correct. So it'll be the 32nd anniversary of the show, not my 32nd birthday. I only wish. Oh, my God. Can you even imagine? <laughs> Woo! You if I dangerous. can wake up and be 32 on Saturday morning, I'll go to bed right now and just uh, let me know when to wake up. Boy. The Jerk Show at 2, Mad Dog 4 to 7. Hurricane Hotline from the Ratskeller 7 to 9. Wow, that's some real heavy-duty crap. Dolphins All Access, the High School Gridiron Report with John uh, Linder and Larry Bluestein 9 to 10. Well, I sure have, I've never heard that show. I can't wait. And then 10 to midnight is the DA show. He only gets two hours tonight because he gets preempted the 9 to 10 hour by that Dolphins uh, crap. 
Okay, now here's this story. Oh, I don't have time for it. What to do is stand by our brave men and women. Stand by your man. There he is. There's Dumbo, baby. There's one of the dumbest people on the, on the planet. Your president. Thank you again for those bargain basement gas prices and that crappy American dollar that ain't worth like a, a dime. Anyway, this um, court rule, this is in, in Italy, is the headline. I'll give you the headline, a little tease. Court rules crotch scratching a crime. How do you really? like that? Really? That's what they have to worry about in Italy. God. Yeah. Crotch. That's kind of like in, uh, where was it? In uh, South Florida somewhere. It was in uh, Broward County somewhere. Where, Cooper City? Was that it? No, it was in um, one of those places where turgidity, you couldn't like, walk around with turgidity. That's right. I remember that story. Remember that? That's yeah, years ago. I heard that story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 1013 at 560 WQM. Oh, God. What's the matter with the meat I'm eating? Can't you tell that you're dying inside? <laughs> Maybe I should wipe the puke off my collar. I think I'm breaking out in some hype. <laughs> Serving nasty old meat to me, honey. I guess they messed up the cows to save a lot of money. Everybody's puking and their poop is runny because it's still rotten frozen meat. Oh, we're fine. Everybody's puking and the poop is runny because it's still rotten frozen meat. All right. Oh. 1018 at 560 WQM. That'll cure you that uh, fat. I've lost uh, three pounds, by the way. Excellent. Eating ice no, cream? No, not excellent. What? Eating ice cream? No, I'm not eating any ice cream, although I did a couple days ago. I did eat some ice cream. I forget what day that was. When I was having a stressful, uh, sick, aggravating, stressful, uh, well, whatever. Whatever day that was. I eat ice cream. That, that's what I do. I eat either candy or ice cream. Some people pop uh, whatever. Uh, what was uh, Chris taking again? Vicodin. Vicodin. Some people pop pills, which are very mm -hmm. bad for you. Right. I eat ice cream, which is delicious, but bad for you also. Sure. And the thing that really pisses me off, you know what is aggravating? I I, my philosophy, and I've told you this many times, if you're going to cheat, especially being a fat old diabetic with very badly controlled blood sugar for months now, I'll be dead soon. But if you're going to do that, if you're going to cheat, at least have something good. Right. Don't like eat like plain bread. Don't go into a restaurant and eat bread. Mm. No, seriously, I'm talking about like plain, crappy, Ooh, tasteless uh, garbage bread. Don't do oh, that. Yeah. If you're going to cheat at that meal, and like have a have a hot fudge sundae for dessert or something like that, you know. You know what I'm saying? Uh huh. And so I got a pint of uh, what the hell was it? Uh, chocolate Ben and Jerry's chocolate brownie. What is it? Something like that. Chocolate, chocolate brownie, brownie hound. Yeah, brownie hound. It sucked. It's crap. That's not good. And that's one of the old flavors, and that still isn't very good. I mean, I'm going to tell you, I know Ben and Jerry's is winning this pool by a landslide, and the pool is almost over, thank God. But, you know, way back then, they used to make some really great stuff, like fish food. Nobody ever made right. a flavor like fish food. Right. I, I grant you it was sickeningly sweet, but oh. I like sickeningly sweet. Sure. I like that. I don't. I mean, that'll, that'll calm your ass down. Man, you go into a coma, you can't get much calmer than that. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. But now... It's like uh, you look strawberry shortcake and uh, oh, just a just a host of garbage, you know. And of course, my local convenience store here, when it's a hundred below zero and you're not going to go like traipsing very far, of course, I could hop in the car and go down to the parking garage and hop in the car and then drive to the underground garage where the uh, nearest market is, you know, and go yeah. get me some like Hagen Dazs Rocky Road. Hagen Dazs does make a decent Rocky Road, and it's not real watery either. I don't know how come that's not watery, and yet everything else they make is. Like that Dulce de Leche bag, that Douchey de Leche bag, you know? Mm-hmm. Ever had that? Nope. 
But your people love that stuff. They're all raving. Oh, there's the greatest flavor. It's it's okay, but it's watery. I bet you somebody else makes that flavor, and it's really a lot better than Hagen does because their ice cream is watery. I hate to keep repeating it's true. Right. Of course, you don't care because you're an ice cream person. That's right. Hey, Chris George isn't an ice cream person. Did you know that? Uh, I know it now. Well, there you go. He's told us that in the last couple of days about six billion times. Hey, you repeat sure. the same material over and over again. Watch it now. you took away and uh, you can offer to your successor about how it's risky in, in the process of sizing up your Russian counterpart? Don't you think well, you, I, I, you I, learned something I, from I, I, Here's what food? I learned. Here's what I learned. I learned that it's important to establish a personal relations with leaders even though you may not agree with them. <laughs> Yeah, he's starting to sound like Barack Obama now. Not. 956 votes on that poll. Nestle's has only got eight, even though I said Nestle's turtle. Now I know damn well I'm going to wind up going to Dominion and look for Nestle's turtle. That's a very bad idea. Here's that story from Italy. We're wasting a lot of time here. That's good, though. Don't you think? Let's see if Eric got that other poll on here, because we're going to have a 1,000 maybe this hour. Yeah, he's got the other one on there about oral sex. Shame on you. Disgusting. Not. Well, it kind of ties right in with this, because you can't have oral sex unless you've got genitals. I don't think. That's a good point. Rome, scratching your genitals in public in Italy can land you in trouble if you're caught. According to a report on the Italian daily Corriere della Sera, Corriere della Sera, it's like uh, Isabel de Casada. Italy's court of cassation, I don't have any idea what that means. You know what that means? Not cassation, but cassation. The nation's highest appeals court has defined the act as contrary to public decorum and decency. So if you're like in Rome, don't adjust your privates. The court also said the practice is considered a crime even if the gesture is done to repel evil or bad luck. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Don't you find there are, well, I'm sure you do, there are times in life when you just want to throw your arms up in here and just say, I give, I surrender, I right. give up. Or just laugh. Yeah, one or the other is good. Or both. The court was ruling on an appeal made by an unnamed man from the northern Italian city of Como who was convicted of indecent behavior in 2006 and reportedly fined 200 euros for fixing his genitals while wearing overalls. I guess he was reaching in there and kind of like readjusting, you know? Mm -hmm. It's a superstition among Italian men to grab their genitals to ward off bad luck, such as when a hearse passes by or when disaster strikes. Now, isn't it like uh, Latinos that, like, uh, grab their genitals in an act of defiance as if to uh, say, you know, up yours, right? Okay. No? I don't know any who do. You've or, never heard of that? Or Latins either. Well, you don't know any Latins. No. Maybe it's a, a Spanish thing. I don't know what that is. Maybe it's a Mexican thing. I don't know. The judges of the third penal division, if you pardon that expression, of the Rome-based Court of Cassation, however, disagreed with this practice Patting your genitals in the presence of other people is a manifestation of lack of custom and education and the complex concept of ethical and social behavior that judges be saying. Well, keep that in mind. I'm trying to think of what the municipality was there somewhere in South Florida where they passed a turgidity law, and it's against the law for a male. Wasn't it on one of the beaches over here? I think it was Pompino Beach. I think I'm pretty sure that's where it was. It was Pompano. Might have been Daytona. I don't know. No, 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 no. It wasn't that. It was uh, local. It was Pompino Beach. Okay. And the city council or whatever the hell, it, right. uh, whoever they are, these idiots passed a law several years ago about. about I remember. The, it was part of a whole set of laws, like how much buttocks on a female can be exposed, right, and how much right. how much and side boob. Right. Well, how does a guy control that? You know? Hey, you better. 
Salt Peter. Yeah, you, you better be wearing a jock strap. I'll tell you that right now. And of course, we'd like that here at QM. We wish everybody wore a jock strap all the time. Yeah, some of us actually own those out there. You hear that siren in the back? No. Well, it's just become part of my life now. Anyway, here's some good news. Bloomberg isn't going to run for president. The bad news, Nader is, but Bloomberg ain't. After two years of playing coy about his presidential ambitions, my Mayor Michael Bloomberg declared in a newspaper editorial uh, yesterday that he won't run for president as an independent, said he might support the candidate who takes an independent, nonpartisan approach, whatever that means. The 66-year-old billionaire businessman who AIDS had said was prepared to spend a billion dollars on his own independent campaign wrote in an opinion column posted on the New York Times website that he'll be working to steer the national conversation away from partisanship and toward unity, away from ideology and toward common sense, away from sound bites and toward substance. Speaking of bites... Well, for shareholders. He bites. Wow. Bloomberg, who has almost two years left in the second term at City Hall, had publicly denied any interest in running for president since one of his political advisors first planted the seed more than two years ago. I wonder where he planted that seed. Rectum. Oh, God. But his denials grew weaker in recent months as aides and supporters quietly began laying the groundwork for a third-party campaign. I listened carefully to those who encouraged me to run, but I'm not and will not be a candidate for president, he wrote. I have a Joyce coming on, I think. Really? I don't know what this is lately, yeah. It's all about ice cream green. I'm not eating ice cream. I told you I had that one pint the other day. It was crap. Chocolate brownie hound or some some uh, horrible Ben and Jerry's flavor. God, it was nasty. They did have a big uh, liter of um, score in there in the freezer, but I didn't eat it. Aren't you proud of me? Good. Yeah. I didn't buy me and didn't buy it. Because if I would have bought it, I would have, like, melted it down and eaten the whole damn thing. Like, I would have probably put a straw in it. Made a little milkshake. I haven't had, now, you were talking the other day about malted. Where was that? Right. Well, Swenson's, but uh, they have them over here. at uh, Jackson's has really good malted with a chunk mm. of malt in it there. The real old they family They serve you the, the whole, you know, the tin, the whole thing. No, of course. Well, they, that doesn't always happen. Like uh, Starlight, now it's Moonlight. They used to do that. They used to serve you your malt with the, the tin, and now they just, uh, you know. And they don't anymore? No, they don't. No. Well, shame on them. I shame say, on you, whoever they are. Who's I'll Starlight? Say. They're Moonlight now. They're uh, a chain of diners. Okay, stuff, just, uh, you know, if not for that. you got you got to have the whole uh, I, I know. thing. They that's put what, it on and that's where all the malt it, settles, too. Right, that, that's exactly right. And so you, you turn it upside down, and you let every oh, last yeah. drop of the malt. Mm. And, in fact, if you got a long tongue, you just reach it right in there and just, uh, you know. You know yeah. what's <laughs> Banana Republic, baby. Only in Miami. Hi, this is Inbreak Kentucky Boy and self-appointed soldier of God Gary Power for Talkers Magazine. The broadcasting industry's journal of what's pretty much just that. That gives you the inside scoop on what we think talk radio should be. Here's our top ten most world-famous professional radio broadcasters who we feel should regurgitate upon you. Number one, of course, is Rush Limbaugh, a fat, uneducated, drug-addled blob of skin who gets married as often as Mormons change magic underwear. Our voice of the right-wing conservatism that made Merca what it is today. Second, we have Papa Bear Bill O'Reilly. Then I'm down to Sean Hannity, Michael Weiner, Savage, Heinrich Himmler, Albert Speer, Joseph Gobbley Gerbils, Charles Manson. John Wayne Gacy, and of course, the favorite of all American sheep, Buffalo Bill. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Gary. 1032 at 560 WQAM. So it took uh, at least two people to fill your big fat seat while you were gone, Chris. Well, it'll take three now because he's not there. 
Oh, like I said. Wow, what do you mean he's not there? Well, there's the time when he's here, and then there's now. <laughs> I see. Yeah, I don't. I don't see anybody in that room. Wow. Don't so you weren't the only one. See, remember, you you've got this down to a science. Some of us are still practicing. Oh, I see. So in other words, he's in there practicing. Maybe he's popping a couple more of those. Yeah, I, I can only assume. I mean, it's. I mean, he might be in engineering. You know, how can I try to go with an engineer again? But uh, I, I don't think he'll be. You know, it's engineer. interesting. He's in there doing that because I'm going to be doing it in uh, during this next break, if not sooner. Well, I don't want to leave you like all alone. I got the ambient music. Well, up. yeah, right. That, that's Tell what I'm saying. Stories. I don't want to leave you all alone for that. Don't worry. Nine seventy nine in the pool. We'll have that thousand maybe by the end of the hour. Like I said, then we can switch over to that oral sex pool. Harvey Wasserman on CommonDreams.org asks, did Turkey Point again take Florida the radioactive brink? He says as many as 2 million Floridians were blacked out Tuesday by a series of grid malfunctions that forced shut two old atomic reactors south of Miami and renewed nightmares of a radioactive catastrophe. The chain of events should serve as yet another serious warning to those who would build still more atomic reactors in Florida and elsewhere. The wide-ranging blackout apparently started with an accidental trip at a substation. That sabotage has been ruled out may not be all that reassuring. Countless homes and businesses were, were uh, affected from Florida Keys to as far away as Tampa, Gainesville, and Daytona Beach. Frightened Floridians were trapped in elevators or abandoned offices by making their way down dark, sweltering stairwells. In Dade alone, at least 40 traffic accidents piled up as signals went dark. This blackout's reach was limited by steps taken since a 2003 reactor-related grid failure in Ohio led to a massive blackout that left 50 million people without power, including yours truly. Remember that? I do. But the two large reactors at Turkey Point did trip from the loss of off-site power. For safety reasons, vital cooling systems and other critical components rely on electricity coming from sources other than the reactors. A far more tense shutdown came when off-site power was lost during 1992's Hurricane Andrew, whose eye passed directly over Turkey Point. At the height of the storm, communication from the control room was also dangerously lost. Tools and equipment valued around $100 million were destroyed or simply blown away. Andrew's epic devastation made it clear that South Florida could never be evacuated in the wake of a meltdown amidst a hurricane. After the 79 accident in Three Mile Island, the NRC adopted specifications for evacuation procedures that were simply shredded by Andrew. But Turkey Point reopened three weeks later. To this day, no procedures are in place that could reliably evacuate South Florida's burgeoning human population if radiation releases occurred even under optimum weather conditions, let alone amidst a major wind event. Nonetheless, FPL now wants to build two more reactors at Turkey Point at a cost of some $20 billion. The generators would not come online until sometime between 2020 and 2025. A request for construction work in progress is now before the Public Utilities Commission. CWIP would force state ratepayers to cover the cost of the reactors as they're being built. The PUC could make a decision within a month. PUC, that's puke. FPL may also seek federal loan guarantees, $18.5 billion of which were noticed in the federal appropriations bill passed in December of last year. The Lieberman-Warner Global Warming Bill, soon to be debated in the U.S. Senate, may also come with hefty subsidies for projects like this one. Two more reactors have been proposed by Progress Energy for a site near one reactor already operating at Crystal River near Tampa. Little, if any, private financing is likely forthcoming for the proposed Florida reactors, but if CWIP or federal loans come through, they may be hard to stop. New reactor construction at Turkey Point would have substantial environmental impacts on the nearby Everglades National Park. Serious questions remain about pressure put on water supplies, damage to nearby wildlife habitat, and much more. A wide range of local and national environmental groups have begun to intervene against the project. The blackout, this blackout and reactor shutdown happened on a clear, calm floor today. Had the state been getting its power from solar panels installed on buildings, a black one like this one could a blackout like this could never have occurred. 
But with still more reactors on the drawing board, it may be only a matter of time before Florida's reactors finally do take the Sunshine State into the radioactive abyss. <laughs> oh, man. All right. How do you like that? The radioactive abyss. All right. Don't go outside because, wow. Don't breathe the air. Don't inhale. Don't come out from under the bed and all of these things. So did Chris ever make it back or not? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, good. Now, how is everything going? Uh, well, well, you know, it's a bad choice of words. No, I don't know. It's all good now. Well, that's, I'm, I'm going to be following your example here during this next break. Not that, that's probably a little bit too much information, but yeah, nevertheless. Everything came out all right in the end. Well, good. Thank the Lord for that. The Lord works in mysterious ways. And like I said, if there was a Lord, we wouldn't be doing having to do that. We wouldn't need all the porcelain bus. We wouldn't need toilet paper. We wouldn't be, uh, you know, we would just burn up all the excess. Whatever we uh, eat, we just burn up the excess, and life would be fine. It would be hunky-dory. Now, you know that for a fact. There's another ambulance out there, another uh, siren going, just going nuts. 987 on the pool, Chris. You're going to have a 1,000 very soon, pronto. All right. Aren't you thrilled? Aren't you excited as hell? No, I'm so no, excited. You're not. No, you're not. The best ice cream brand is 987. Ben and Jerry's 292, man. Winning hands down your pants, except if you're in Italy. Hagen does 155. If you're Italian, by the way, don't readjust your crotch, guys. Cold Stone Creamery, 138. Cold and Stoned. Briar's 107. Publix, 60. I will say this for a store brand, Publix ice cream is it's okay. It's pretty good. You don't think? Oh, that's right. You yeah, no, it's fine. I mean, some store brands are very generic, you know, delicious, but absolutely no taste. Publix right. is pretty good. They got some stuff. I think they still have, like, chocolate marshmallow, which I still can't Ooh. find. I don't want to find it. I can go looking for it, but I don't want it. Bastard Robbins 49, they have a really good rocky road. I said that the other day, and I'm, I'm sticking to my guns. Edie's 39, Dairy Queen 32. Let's hear it for the old Dairy Queen. Carvel 29. How's Tom Carvel doing? Still dead? Yeah. Dove Bar 22. Seal Test 17, Godiva 16. Now, that's some really rich, heavy-duty stuff. they got some wild flavors, Godiva, like that chocolate raspberry, you know? Mm-hmm. I hate You know what I'm talking about? I chocolate raspberry I truffle? Raspberry. I hate raspberry. Oh, baby. Mm. You hate raspberry? Raspberry, raspberry flavor, raspberries. But I like this. I like this. You know, I like those kind of raspberries. Starbucks 13, Edie's Dreamery 10, and Nestle's still only 8, because they don't know from Nestle's, out of 987. And so uh, there'll be ample time to discuss whoever their candidate, for the positions whoever their candidate is. Nice try, show. Would you like to try another attack? Another, another question? Comment. Okay, I'll follow on it. About Iraq, you have said <laughs> in the past that you want to leave a sustainable policy. Yeah. You said I could have another question. Yeah, okay. You want to leave your policy. Well, should we vote on whether she gets another question? <laughs> <laughs> Is he a card or what? Is he a real comedian? Oh, real, oh, just oh, like uh, John McCain. They're a real couple of clowns. A lot of dead people, but it's the awfully fun. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. Neil Rogers. Ah. It's that time of year again when thousands of fresh-faced hopefuls put everything on the line to win America's vote. This is American Political Idol. Tonight on Fox. Give it up. Please give it up. Please give it up. Give it up. I think some big things might happen in 2008. I like big butts and I cannot lie. Big butts. My bottom. Big butts. My bottom. Big butts. The behind. Big butts. This is big. Big, big, big butts. 
but bigger as time goes on. Back. This is American Political Idol. 1045 at 560 WQM. We got 997 on that poll. If we get three more damn votes on there, we can switch the poll. Actually, we could do it right now if we wanted to. What difference does it make? Right. Can we do that yesterday? Sure. Mm-hmm. In other words, when the thousand's in the bag, what what's the point? Is it like a Pyrrhic victory to sit around? Oh, we finally got the thousand, you know, like, like somebody's keeping track somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm going to switch it right now. Screw it. Right, Chris? Sure, why not? Right. Switch that baby now. Click on it. How old were you when you first engaged in oral sex? We did that poll a long time ago. Here's the choice. Now, how come he didn't put the other one? How come he didn't put the other choice? You've got to add one, too. I wrote it on there. Eric's uh, having problems. He's having issues today. 12 What's and it? under, 13 to 15, 16 to 18, 19 and up, and the other choices never have. I mean, what, obviously what there are people out there who have never engaged in oral sex, wouldn't you think? Uh, it's possible, yeah. Well, there you go. So add that on there, please. You add somebody there. adding it on there? It's on. Let's see. Uh-oh, what is this all about? I hear that there are two Miami area radio stations about to flip to sports talk. One is listed below. Can you guess the other? What does that mean? Can you uh, guess know. the other? It's a guessing game. Well, what does that mean? It says Fox Sports Radio Affiliate Update. Oh, this is a joke. Here's the latest Fox Sports Radio. Oh, this is from uh, Rachel Nelson, who's with Fox Sports Radio, I guess. So, in other words, like, I'm supposed to care about this? I, I, I don't know, and I don't care. I don't care about uh, sports uh, stations, okay? I care about sports, but I don't care about sports radio, including this one. Effective Monday, March 3rd, the following stations will become affiliates of the Fox Sports Radio Network. WMENAM, 640 West Palm Beach, Miami. That's that loser again. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Steve Lappa. All men, remember that? Men, yep. uh, again, they're going to do a oh, point oh, like oh, they always do. Oh. They it's what they put on the air. KQDJ in Jamestown, North Dakota. Oh, this is heavy duty. I should put out a release like this. KBAD in Vegas and WECK, WEC, 1230 in Buffalo. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. Now, this other thing on top of here, this was, uh, so this is an inside job. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Somebody typed the top sentence and then sent this uh, press release. Can you guess what the other one is? Oh, I don't know. And I don't care, like I said. God, the swill that these people send. And let me say it again. A few people, not a whole bunch, you know, three or four, have said happy birthday. Uh, you know, It's not my birthday. It's the show's birthday. Saturday, March 1, will be 32 years I've been on here in this market, in this godforsaken place. 32 freaking years. How do you like that? And by the end of that first week, there was that old coot calling. Of course, they were all old back then on KAT, Death Plus 10. Calling me to tell me, you'll never make it six months in this market, Rogers. You'll never make it. Of course, now he's pushing up daffodils. He's pushing up petunias. How do you like that? Mm-hmm. Well, look, we got a quick 22 votes in that poll. Never have one already. See that? Wow. Four percent of the audience out there never have engaged in oral sex. Those and might be uh, youngsters. What? Those might be youngsters. We don't have any youngsters, okay? In fact, we've got 12 and under two already. Wow. And I don't know, you know, you mean youngsters now is what you're saying. Right. No. No, they aren't. They're oldsters. Plus, we got a 1,000 on the previous poll. We did? Yep. 
Woo! On the ice cream pool, we finally did close out with a thousand. Well, that, that's a real feather in my crap. In fact, I think I just uh, got rid of it. <laughs> the feather? During that last break, there was an area word had to be said, because you knew I'd be back with plenty of time right. to spare. No Swetsky. If Hillary Clinton does lose the Democratic nomination for president, she might be able to trace her troubles back to when she lost her grip on the Latino vote. How do you like that? Incredible. Uh-huh. Bill Clinton called it. The ex-president may have doomed his wife's candidacy with his meddling, but he was right about one thing. Several weeks ago, he told Spanish-language radio host Eddie El, El Piolin Sotelo. What is Piolin? I don't know. That sounds like a name. No. Eddie El Piolin Sotelo. It's a nickname. I, I don't know. That Latinos would determine the nominee of the Democratic Party and the next president of the USA, so they might, just not in the way the former president imagined. When he made his prediction, Hillary Clinton was leading Barack Obama among Latinos by a two-to-one margin, it says, and then it says, no mas, no mas, Tomas. <laughs> a recent Gallup survey found Obama in a slight but not statistically significant lead over Clinton among Latinos. Obama mania has gone multicultural it's about time, it says, says Ruben Navarrete Jr. on CNN. The Illinois senator spent so much early part of the campaign proving he could appeal to both blacks and whites, he never stopped to ask, what can Browns do for me? As a result, Obama fumbled in the Nevada caucus. What can we do for Brown? Was that FedEx that used to do that? What can Brown do for you? Was that is? Yeah. No, uh, UPS. <laughs> yeah, the answer is yes. But he recovered in time to fare better than expected on Super Tuesday. He won the Latino vote in Illinois and Colorado, stayed competitive in New Mexico and Arizona, while even getting wiped out in California, New York, and New Jersey. Then he won the Latino vote in uh, Virginia. Now with the all-important Texas primary approaching March 4th, Obama's trailing Clinton with Latinos in the Lone Star State, but he's making inroads there. There's even a Viva Obama video featuring a group of mariachi singing the candidates' praises. Obama's recent success with Latinos is evidence that Hillary's support in that community is a mile wide and an inch thick. That's understandable. Neither Bill nor Hillary has done much for Latinos in their public careers, and most of the support they enjoy from that community comes from brand loyalty, the same thing that keeps Latinos coming back to one kind of laundry detergent, keeps them coming back to the Clinton name. In this election, Hillary has tarnished the brand with mistakes. During a debate in L.A., she answered a question by pitting undocumented Latino immigrants against African Americans. She blamed job losses on employers who exploit undocumented workers and drive down wages. And she mentioned an African-American who told her that he used to have construction jobs, but now the only people who get them anymore are people who are here without documentation, meaning, of course, Mexican, like that. Faced with the same question, Obama pointed out that African-Americans had had high unemployment rates long before the latest round of immigrants showed up and cautioned against using the immigration issue to divide Americans. Obama also insisted to rousing applause that blaming immigrants for unemployment among blacks amounts to scapegoating and said he wouldn't tolerate it. Score one for Obama. You can almost hear the mariachis warming up, it says. You hear the mariachis warming up? Just this morning. I hear them warming up. I'll find. Here it is. No, that's not it. I'll find it. Oh, here they are. They're warming up. We got 40 votes on the new poll now. I bet you Chris is really uh, all thrilled to be back after that dental thing, after that procedure, and after all those nasty drugs that knocked him on his ass. And wait, maybe that's what caused the blackout, the power failure the other day when it knocked Chris on his ass. No, I was still here while that happened. Wasn't that on Tuesday? You were there on Tuesday? No, yeah. you weren't. I was here. You, were you weren't. What the hell are you talking about? I was here Tuesday. Yeah. You were not. Tuesday. C. Oh, you're correct. Well, what day you were? You are more. You are two days. I had Monday off. 
Oh, that's what it was. That's right. Monday he shined. Monday he shined us, and we had all this confusion, and there was Cordis work till noon. See, Cordis is like, uh, you know, he's, he's too good for us. He honors us with his presence once in a while, and usually just for a very short time. And they're like, oh, well, i got to go now. i got important stuff to do. i got to go uh, file my taxes. i got to go, uh, you know, screw my Russian girlfriend. Like that, you know. Am I right? That's right. Well, That's important stuff. I, I would agree with that, especially the latter part. How old were you when you first engaged in oral sex? 46 votes. 19 and up, 15. 13 to 15, 12. You follow him? There he goes with the numbers again. We can't follow him. You'll never last six months in this market, Rogers. You're, you're all finished. You suck. Well, we know that. Age 13 to 15, 12. 16 to 18, 11. 12 and under, 5. Now, 12 and under, I, I just, I don't know. Am I an old fuddy-duddy? Yeah. That sounds, what? Uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. You're not Doesn't that sound fuddy-duddy. awfully young? 12 uh, and under? Awfully young. What did you vote again? Who? You. 19 and up. Okay. Way over 19. Never have three. Never have had oral sex. See, you thought, to me, oh, no, nobody's going to vote for that. No, I didn't say that. Just, well, uh, you were thinking, you know, maybe like only five votes. It's, it's, it's tragic. Well, why is it tragic? Maybe they're having uh, doing other things. Who knows? Maybe they're like eunuchs. Maybe they don't care. Okay. Maybe they have, maybe they have hobbies that they're, uh, you know, enriched in, in, by, like, in all like those stamp cases. collecting and right, numismatics. Yeah. Right. They're philatelists it as opposed be. to philatelists. Well, that, that's right. <laughs> that's a good poll question. Which would you rather be, a philatelist or a philatelist? No contest. Bill Buckley's dead, by the way. Oh! Chris was out uh, yesterday under the weather while William F. Buckley died. Now, you probably don't even know who that is, do you? Another name. You don't know who that is, do you, or was? Not really. No. A writer or something? A hole. Right wing. He's the one that started all this uh, fascist uh, stuff. He was the. He wasn't the founder of it, but he was like uh, one of the pioneers of this crap in the National Review and Bill Crystal, all these other right wing Nazi bastards, these lunatics, these hate mongers. For example, there's. I don't want to go on a lynching party against Michelle Obama. Like Billo, you know, Billo, as Keith Olbermann calls him, Billo Riley. Civil rights figure John Lewis, Democrat of Georgia, has dropped his support for Swillery and is now backing Barack Obama, according to a newspaper report yesterday. Lewis, Democratic congressman from Atlanta, is the most prominent black leader to defect from Clinton's campaign in the face of a near-majority black support for Obama in recent voting. He's also a superdelegate who gets a vote at this summer's national convention in Denver. It's been a long, hard, difficult struggle to come from where I am, Lewis told the Atlanta Journal-Constitution in an interview. But when I am as a superdelegate, I plan to cast my vote at the convention for Barack Obama. In a later interview with NBC News, Lewis explained, I love Bill Clinton, I love Hillary, but something's happening in America. Something is unbelievable. It's unreal. Forty-three years ago, I marched in the, the, across the bridge in Selma, Alabama. He continued, it was much easier than the decision I have to make. But I had to make it. I'm dealing with friends, people I love, people I admire, part of my extended family, a partridge in a pear tree. Lewis's constituents supported Obama roughly three to one in Georgia's February 5 primary. His endorsement had been a coveted prize among Democratic candidates thanks to his standing as one of the last major civil rights leaders of the 60s, still alive. Just like Salazzo said, he's still alive. Ah. So what do you think we're going to be doing tomorrow for in honor of our anniversary? Uh, party? 
Maybe play the rack sounds good. Sounds good. Great. Including some of the stuff that we have. I'll just play some. Oh, yeah. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The Sports Leader. This is the Neil Rogers Show. This is your brain. Any questions? This is Keith Jackson on special assignment covering baseball steroid controversy. Standing next to you, seven-time Cy Young Award winner, the Rocket Roger Clemens. Roger, once and for all, can you tell the listening audience whether or not you have ever done steroids? First, I like If you can admit to me that you've done steroids, I will give you this shiny penny. I'd like to thank you. Do you believe your friend Andy Pettit lied when he said you did steroids? I think Andy misheard. Have you misheard my offer? For telling the truth, I will offer you one shiny penny. I have never Rocket Roger Clemens. Did you, in fact, give your wife, Debbie, who happens to be smoking freaking hot, HGH? I have never Is it true that Debbie looks at pornographic videos while you're at work? Hold on! I'm sorry, that's a different question. That's for Chuck Knobloch's wife. Let me get back to you, Rocket Roger Clemens. Have you ever... Ever, ever taken HGH? I can Do you even know what HGH stands for? Yes, it's... Is your reading level above the sixth grade? I this is Keith Jackson covering the controversy of baseball steroids. I'm with the Rocket Roger Clemens, who I will offer once again a shiny penny in order to tell me the truth about his steroid and HGH use. Keith, time is up. The offer's off the table. This is Keith Jackson on Special Assignment. Thank you, Keith. It's 1101 at 560 WQM. 32 years on the air in South Florida. Boy, tomorrow we're going to have a big party, man. Yeah. It's going to be a gigantic, humongous party. Too bad Don Cox couldn't be with us to uh, celebrate. I bet he'd come in and, uh, you know, confabulate with you if he were alive. Yes, he would. Because he liked us. He liked the show. That's right. He was a good guy. We could feed him some lunch. What? We could feed him some lunch. We could feed him some lunch. Maybe Johnny Dork will come in tomorrow for lunch. Maybe maybe not. not. I hope not. Right. <laughs> now, why did you say that? Oh, I've, uh, I'm good with Johnny. Yeah. That means I've, uh, I've sure had enough. Sure didn't sound like it. In other words, you don't see him anymore. I don't see him any less. Well, he don't want to be around there anyway. Didn't he have like a leave and under under? Uh, I'm under, not uh, sure what happened over there. Johnny died. I kiss. He uh, kissed him goodbye. He Something like that. Bye. That's what I heard. We're never going to get the straight story. You never, you know this business. You never get the mm-hmm. whole story. You just get little bits and pieces, and most of them are lies anyway. Anyway, it's 11.02. Oh, there's James Baker the Turd. Another indication. Backing McCain. Well, Big Simmons, uh, James Baker. What a crook he is, man. A liar. He was, remember when he was in Florida, mm-hmm. and they were covering up all their tracks like a dog kicking its hind legs up in here, you know, covering up the mess they left behind for those fixed votes in 2000. Remember that? James Baker the Turd who also happens to represent the uh, Saudi family. Remember that? After uh, 9-11? Right. They put them all on a plane. They sure. threw them back when nobody else could fly. Even Frankie Avalon couldn't get on a plane, for Christ's sakes. Or was it Paul Anka, I think? Couldn't get on a plane. But the Saudis, the Bin Laden family, all of a sudden, oh, they all got on a plane. No problem at all. Get them out of here while they're still alive. And James Baker was representing the uh, families of uh, those sand butchers. Isn't that the way the expression goes? That's right. Sand butchers. Thank you so much, all you Saudis. He is um, honored. There's Barack in Texas. He's a stump, it says. Oh, they're, they're stumped. He's stumping it. Let me take a look and see what the uh, price of oil is this morning. I keep saying on there, morning call with Ted David. Ted David has been on there. He finally got a conscience, I guess. 
Oh, the S&P is down for the S&P guy, and the Dow is down 113, and the Nasdaq's down 14. Oil's 101.64, $101.79. As I'm speaking, I can't even keep up with it. Almost 102 bucks a barrel. How do you like that? Which means your gas prices are going to be zooming up there. You're going to be paying like 60, 70, 100 bucks a gallon. And you're going to be thinking, oh, thank you so much, Mr. Bush, our president, for these bargain basement gas prices for invading Iraq and killing all those people and sacrificing all those American soldiers, 4,000 of them, that nobody talks about anymore because nobody gives a crap. Because the American people, if nothing else, they've got a very short memory. Short. Yep. I just want oh, 101.85. Every time it flashes, it goes up another nickel. By the time the show ends at 2 o'clock, it's going to be like $600 a barrel. I mean, what are we talking about? Huh? Not good. And if I flip over to the uh, Canadian uh, market morning, whatever the stupid channel is, I can find out how the euro is doing. Because CNN is too busy hawking a China. Oh, oil, 101.70. Oh, uh, look at that. As I'm watching this one, it's flickering. And the Dow is down 132 and dropping like a gigantic rock. Where is that euro, baby? Gold is almost 1000 bucks an ounce. Wouldn't it be something if you would have told me back when it was like $400 an ounce to put all your money in gold, Neil? Yeah. I wouldn't have to be sitting here right now talking That's about right. 32 years on the year in this godforsaken place. Come on, flip those numbers on there. Give us the, uh, the, the MS. Give us the story. In fact, it's taken so long, I can't remember what the hell I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for the exchange rate. That's what I'm waiting for. Aren't you? Aren't you hot to trot for the exchange oh, rate? Oh, yeah. No, you're not. No. You couldn't care less. Well, what do you know? You're not I care more about anywhere. ice cream. That's right. I don't have any money. Ice cream? 82 oral sex votes, by the way. And the Dow's down 144. See, I love that thing. They're in a gold 968.3. It's going up. Nobody wants your money anymore, your American money. It's worthless. The dollar's like a penny now. Remember when Howard Beale was screaming about that? The Dow's down 142 and the NASDAQ 21. I feel like Rick Riley. Oil, 101.71. It came back a little, uh, just a hair. Just a Francis O'Hare. Wow, I, I turned that off. It's too depressing to look at it. You know what I mean? Yep. Here's another endorsement for Barack Obama. Senator Obama picked up an endorsement from his colleague Byron Dorgan, a North Dakota senator whose record of supporting labor and opposition to NAFTA could help him in Tuesday's Ohio Democratic primary. In Ohio, Dorgan announced his support in a Wednesday afternoon conference call where he praised Obama's record on trade and labor and called him the best chance for Democrats to expand their appeal across the country. Amen to that. Not that hard-ass bitch. We're getting a lot of phone calls. Yeah, I bet they are. All right, CNN's Candy Crowley for us. Candy. Oh, Candy Cowley. Uh, Candy, they're not showing her today. She looks so bad they won't put her on camera. You blame them? No. Obama has done well in red states, bringing new people to this campaign, Dorgan said. One reason we've lost so many states is because candidates have given up on these states before the campaign begins. Senator Obama's not going to do that. He don't want to. Dorgan is the 10th senator to endorse Obama, following former presidential candidate Chris Dodd on Tuesday. Clinton's been endorsed by 13 senators, while 24 Democrats in the chamber are still on the fence. They're on the sidelines. Although North Dakota's other senator, Kent Conrad, and its lone representative, Earl Palmer, also are Democrats, the state hasn't voted for a Democratic presidential candidate since LBJ in 64. Dorgan noted the only other Democratic president the state ever supported was FDR, who served from 1933 to 45. The two most recent Democratic contenders, John Kerry and Al Gore, lost the state by 30 and 28 points. How many people are there in North Dakota? About 30, man. George said it's a place you wouldn't want to send your worst enemy. That's right. Even if they wanted to go there. There's a whole lot of nothing there. Like Wyoming. 
Yeah. No, Wyoming actually has uh, stuff as character. Tumble, tumbleweed. No tumbleweed in North Dakota? I don't think so. Nothing. I'll be damned. Well, we got a quick 86 votes on that uh, oral sex poll. And six people have never had oral sex, given, taken, thought about it. And they just ain't doing it. They're thinking, oh, well, ah, like, what? You know what that means, right? Oh, for oh. me. Like my mother said to me that time when we were talking about <laughs> right. Bubba, when that Monica Lewinsky stuff was going on. My mother said, can you imagine that? Oral sex. Can you imagine? And then she paused for about right. five seconds and she looked at me. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, like she insulted me, you know. Yeah. You know, you fake it. That's all you do. Yeah, that's right. Insulted me. Doug Thompson says, when you lie down with dogs, dot, dot, dot. When John McCain decided to embrace the rabid right wing of the Republican Party, he also left the door open for the racists, bigots, homophobes, and hate mongers who dominate the so-called conservative movement. That decision rose up and bit him in the ass Tuesday. In an obvious lapse of judgment, taste, and common sense, someone in the McCain campaign allowed hate-filled Cincinnati radio host Bill Cunningham to, pre- uh, to proceed the presumptive GOP nominee on stage during a campaign stop in that city. Cunningham is a typical right-wing blowhard whose screaming fanaticism can make Rush Limbaugh look moderate. He sneeringly refers to the broadcast network as Clinton Broadcasting System, CBS, nobody but Clinton's NBC, and always Bill Clinton, ABC, and made sure everybody in the crowd knew Barack Obama's middle name is Hussein, calling the Democratic frontrunner Barack Hussein Obama three times. Cunningham added, now we have a hack Chicago-style daily politician who's picturing himself as change. When he gets done with you, all you're going to have is in your pocket is change. It's going to be Barack Hussein Obama's wonderful life. All is going to be right with the world when the great prophet from Chicago takes the stand and the world leaders who want to kill us will simply be singing Kumbaya together around a table with Barack Obama. At one point, the media will quit taking sides in this thing and start covering Barack Hussein Obama, he said. Ohio Republican Congressman Rob Portman had a chance to repudiate Cunningham's remarks when he took the stage right after the talk show host, but chose instead to say, Willie, you're out of control again, so what else is new? But we love him. I've got to tell you, Bill Cunningham lending his voice to this campaign is extremely important. He did it in 2000. He did it in 2004. It was crucial to victory. Then it's even more important this year with his bigger radio audience. So, Bill Cunningham, thank you for lending your voice. Conservatives are shopping Portman as a potential running mate for McCain. God help us. McCain didn't mention or acknowledge Cunningham's special uh, spiteful diatribe during his speech to the audience at Cincinnati's Memorial Hall, but spoke to reporters after the speech. I apologize for it. I didn't know about these remarks, but I take responsibility for them. I repudiate them. My entire campaign, I've treated Senator Obama and Senator Clinton with respect. I will continue to do that throughout this campaign. I want to disassociate myself with any disparaging remarks that may have been said about them. Any comment that's disparaging of either Clinton or Obama is totally inappropriate. I'll certainly make sure that nothing like that happens again. McCain sources say later chewed out campaign officials who made the decision to invite Cunningham to the event in the first place. The Arizona senator will face this problem again as long as he agrees to shack up with the GOP right wing. There's an old saying that when you lie down with dogs, you get up with fleas. John McCain should be scratching up a storm this morning and deserves every itch he's got. The biggest names. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. Lick it and stick it. Hey, baby. I demand you all vote for my wife, or I'll beat your ass to an inch of your life. I'm here to say you better not piss me off if you don't make Hillary your bitch boss. Hey there, hoochie mama, this hair's for the president, Bill, and I'm going to wag a smelling bony old finger at you if you don't vote for my wife. <laughs> I want that off his back. If you have brought who's bitter and snarly, show your support for the Democratic Party. Hillary's the gal for gals who like 
Women who are bitchy, friggy and snarky. She don't blink her eyes too much, I guess. And wears pantsuits that dress the mess. Now here's a group of nasty lesbian mamas who want Hillary over Obama. Hillary's the giggity girl for me. Sour, nasty, and soily. She's the angry woman's choice. We want money, cause she makes us voice. You fairy. It's 1116 and 560 WQM. Now, this story here that you have, somebody faxed to us? Yeah. This is just, uh, well, it's, I guess, true. It, it is what it is. It is what it is. That's right. Like life, it is what it is. Teen jockey thrown on a naked woman. This is from Australia, from down under. Oh, gee, I lost something here. Oh, no. Uh-oh. But I found it. Oh, good. The son of Melbourne Cup winning trainer Jeff Murphy has admitted in court that apprentice jockeys were routinely subjected to initiation rituals known as greasings at his father's stables and throughout the racing industry. This goes back to what we were talking about yesterday with the fraternities and running naked with your buddies on the beach, all of that crap, all that faggery. It's been going on as long as I can remember throughout the racing industry in Australia, Barry Murphy told the county court yesterday. Two former stable hands at Jeff Murphy's stables, John William Honeyset, 54, and Peter John Dawson, 60, have pleaded not guilty to charges of indecent assault and buggery during the late-night visits to a teenage... <laughs> Is that really like a technical term? Rectum. <laughs> ...have pleaded not guilty to charges of indecent assault, assault, and buggery during late-night visits to a teenage jockey's dormitory in the 70s. The alleged victim, now 49, claimed the sexual assaults occurred against the backdrop of intimidation and fear with initiation rituals that included greasings where the body was painted with sticky hoof oil, regularly, uh, regularly occurred. <laughs> Is he okay, Chris? At the moment. I don't know. I'm going to have to pick him up for a minute. He had told the court that greasings were of a highly sexual nature and that Barry Murphy had been right in amongst any greasing at the Buran Road stables. But other former staff denied Barry Murphy had been involved in anything inappropriate. A woman who worked as a strapper at the stables at the time of the alleged assaults, Judith Kropp, told the jury it was a bunch of crop that Barry Murphy used to invite her up into the hayloft, but it was just a joke. He would say, come up to the hayloft and see my pink-eyed rabbit, but it was just a joke. He said that to everyone. My pink-eyed rabbit. Another apprentice jockey at the stables, Andrew Vine, said he had been painted all over with hoof oil by stable hands and had a horse anti-inflammatory cream smeared on him around his genitals, oh which God. burned. It burns, right? He told the jury the greasings were of a sexual nature. It was humiliating and degrading being stripped and having your you know, genitals grope, Mr. Vine said. No kidding. You know, those non-sexual greasings, they aren't as bad. They're a lot better. Yeah. But Andrew Jackson, for honey set, said the greasings were nothing more than harmless fun and were not of a sexual nature at all. There were a number of people involved laughing and taking the Mickey out of you, he said. Whatever that means. I didn't know Mickey was in him. Hofoy was painted on you just like everyone else. The court heard Mr. Vine was taken to Glen Huntley Oval Toilet Block and used as bait to lure out gay men using the toilets as a beat. He said the stable hands then bashed the men. Let me read that sentence again. Yeah, could you? The court heard that Mr. Vine was taken to the Glen Huntley Oval Toilet Block and used his bait to lure out gay men, using the toilets as a beat. He said the stable hands then bashed the gay men. Another former apprentice jockey, Terry McAllister, said he had been greased regularly throughout his first two years at the stables. He said the greasings were part of the hierarchical nature of the stables and were used as a threat to keep young apprentices in line. They came over to my bed and said, come up the other end. And I said, no, and they said, you better come up with us or we'll grease you. He also said he'd been locked in the oat silo and the tack room on separate occasions by stable hands and tied to the gate with horse testicles hung around his neck. Are you threatening me? 
Mr. Jackson asked him if he ever heard of that being done to the alleged victim, and he said no. I was the only one that happened to, Mr. McAllister said. He said he'd heard the alleged victim was thrown under a naked woman lying in a hayloft, and that the older man later forced him on the woman, adding that the instigators drank and smoked lots of marijuana and also forced new arrivals to smoke the drug. Oh, my God. They smoked the wicked weed and forced him onto a naked woman. How do you like that? Yeah, that sounds uh, awful. Sounds somehow. a lot more appetizing than wow. greasing up the... Hey, yeah. no, I, I, there's a new thread. I'm going to start using that. Hey, stop that or I'll grease you. Yeah. Greasings and cheerings. <laughs> Wow. Were we just oh, talking about the, like the frat call and uh, all this other business? Let's play that again four or five times. Oh, yeah. It's time to leave then. Especially during lunchtime. 133 vote on that uh, new poll now. We had 1,001 on the ice cream poll, and Ben and Jerry's won hands down your pantaloonies. Although, if you're in Italy, don't put your hands down your pantaloonies or anybody else's. Right. No, they'll arrest you. 133 vote. How old were you when you first engaged in oral sex? 16 to 18. 42 people be saying that. 41 said 19 and up. 31 said 13 to 15. 12 said 12 and under. I don't know. Do you buy that? I don't mean you buy it. Uh, yeah, I've heard some tales. Have you? Yeah. 12 and under 12. And never have had oral sex 7 out of 133. That's 5.2%, Mr. Smarty Pants. That's, uh, that's sad. Why? Why is it They're sad? Out. What do you, well, you, what do you know. care? Aren't you always the guy that says, what's it it's, to you? Why it's do you not care like I care. It's just sad, you know. They're missing out. I don't feel sad at all. doesn't bother me. It doesn't change my life. Uh, no, it doesn't change mine either, but, uh, you know, maybe they would be happier people. I the think world would be I a happier place. I think you're place. trying to uh, promote oral sex is yes, what it yes, like yes, I am. Mm-hmm. I highly encourage everyone to go Just out like and get these Just like me trying to promote some. that homosexual agenda, and you're on here trying to promote oral sex. Everyone should have some oral sex today, if not sooner. Uh, no! You know, I haven't thought about that child until just at this moment. I mean, you know, we played True. the Droppins. Druzy? Yeah. But it just, when I played that, it just brought uh, no! back to memory the first time I laid eyes on that creature. I mean, and who was the one that brought him in there? It was Steve Nichol, wasn't it? I believe it was, now yeah. that you mention it. He brought in some real winners, man, including the sheep. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Neil, you need a better net. <laughs> Neil without the drop. Come on, Neil, you need a better net. Come on, Neil, you need a better net. Come on, Neil, you need a better net. <laughs> uh, no! Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he knew where to find him, man. Maybe he had those uh, losers hidden in that drawer of his, you know, that secret drawer. Mm-hmm. He would open it up, and then if you'd walk into his room, he'd slam that thing shut real fast. I don't know what was in there, but I think he got a pretty good idea. Got the Bush administration has violated Americans' basic human rights by blocking access to information and creating more government secrets than at any other time in U.S. history, former President Jimmy Carter said yesterday. Carter made the remarks at the start of a three-day conference aimed at helping other countries develop access to information laws, drawing participants from nearly 40 nations. To applause, Carter said he looks forward to more freedom after a new U.S. administration takes office in January. The Atlanta-based Carter Center has been working to help other countries with right-to-information laws since 1999 when it piloted a program in Jamaica, Mon. At that time, only a handful of countries had such laws. Today, nearly 70 nations have laws granting the public access to government information. Powerful leaders, in order to stay in office, deprive their citizens of the right to know, Carter said. Access to information can change the landscape of an entire society. It's believed to be the first conference helping countries develop the right to information laws, the center said. Any government that denies its citizens the right to information will ultimately fall because of a lack of trust, which fosters hard feelings, uprisings, and coups, he said, as in coochie, coochie, coup. Dignitaries speaking at the conference, including Maharafa Traore, Minister of Justice in Mali. Who? Where? And what? Maharafa Traore? 
Ferrari called access to information one of the great challenges faced by the Malian democracy. Since 2002, with the help of Carter Center, Mali has developed an independent administrative agency to ensure all branches of government are acting appropriately. We've developed a platform on the basis of which there will be a new way of conducting business in our country, he'd be saying. At the end of the conference tomorrow, the center hopes to create a set of recommendations for the right to know laws based on the information shared among participants. Jimmy Carter, about like that, you know, good old Jimmy. I don't know what to think about him. You know, a lot of times I think, well, he says Jimmy? the right thing, and a lot of times, huh? Oh, he's good. Too bad he wasn't when he was president. No, he was not. Well, he's he, he had to spend too much time right. tracking down his brother. He used to be peeing outside all the right. time. You know? He finally grew a pair way too late. Yeah, well, happens to the best. Like William F. Buckley, maybe he would have turned uh, no. another cheek a little no. bit, you know, but no. can't do it now. He's dead. No. Chris doesn't have any idea who that is, but. I wonder about Gore Vidal. Do you know who that is? Again, I've heard the names. Uh, <laughs> All right. All right. I mean, what's that got to do with sports anyway? No, actually, I used to be really big into uh, history and stuff like that, but you history know, graduated and uh, you know don't worry about it as much anymore. So yeah, good thinking. Don't worry about it. You're not gonna you're not gonna change anything anyway. You can change something on your show by hitting the wrong button or something like that. Greg, by the way, didn't uh, find job. Yes, he did. Well, that's Monday and uh, that's yesterday, fine. all the other 15, 20 days that you missed? That I missed? Monday and yesterday. Well, So what was the real story on Monday? Clarence came to you and said, if you want the day off, just take it. We don't care about that show anyway and screw Neil. Is that what no, not at all. Um, actually, apparently I was originally on the schedule to have off the holiday. Yeah. I didn't. Re- I just figured I was working because I knew Cordis was not going to be around. So, so Saturday, Saturday, you got paid. Are you saying that you got paid for Monday? Yeah. Oh, well, good for you. It was a holiday. I, that was my holiday off. So the Saturday before, I guess it was President's Day, uh, Josh sends me a text. Clarence sends me a text. says, hey, I need you to work Monday with George. Is that okay? I said, yeah, I forgot I was. He said, okay, I owe you a day. Okay, no problem. So then last week I said, hey, you know, if I could, can I get Monday off? But, you know, whatever. He's like, yeah, I'll see what I can do. He never got back to me to say, yeah, you're getting it off. And then um, I came in Sunday. I saw I had Monday off, so I had the day off. Yeah, well, you wanted to know what happened. <laughs> I wanted to know, but I mean, I didn't need quite quite as detailed of a you know explanation. That's fine. I'm glad you got paid for it. That's what we were worried about. Yes, I got paid. Because Josh Cordes said you were just screwing off, you know, again as usual. No, not at all. That's usually what uh, he does. Well, he couldn't work the whole time. He worked till about noon. He said, "Well, are you happy? I uh, spent the two hours with you." He doesn't ask me for money anymore. You want to know why? Because he knows he ain't going to get it. Biggest names, the best talent. We got that fifty-fifty thing coming by the way. Come any better than Neil Rogers. Good morning, Americans. It's Paul Harvey. Stand by for news. Michael enters a barber shop for a shave while Phil the barber is foaming him up. He mentions the problem he has getting a close shave around the cheeks. I have just the thing, Phil the barber says, taking a small wooden ball from a nearby drawer. Just place this between your cheek and gum. Michael places the ball in his mouth and Phil proceeds to give him the closest shave he has ever had. After a few strokes, Michael asks in garbled speech, oh, what, what, what if I swallow it? No problem, says Phil. Just bring it back tomorrow like everyone else. Now page two. Fred got home from his Sunday round of golf later than normal and very tired. Bad day at the course, his wife asked. Everything was going fine, Fred said. Then Harry had a heart attack and died on the 10th tee. Well, that's awful, replied his wife. You're not kidding, said Fred. For the whole back nine, it was hit the ball, drag Harry. Hit the ball, drag Harry, Paul Harvey. Good day. 
Good day. 11.32 at 5.60 WQAM. I wonder if uh, Paul Harvey ever got greased and smeared. You think? Uh, I don't know. I'll ask him. Now, this story that somebody just faxed in, boy, there's some good stuff coming in now. Let me show sure you. enough. All from the same person. I, I like this correspondent. Good. The same Keep kind it coming, of, uh, whoever font. it is. At least they're, and also they're not about Catholic priests. or you know. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know what to say. After the first 45,000 of those stories, it gets a little bit ponderous. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. A newborn, a newborn baby girl survived an ignoble birth after slipping down the toilet bowl of a moving Indian train onto the tracks when a pregnant woman unexpectedly gave birth while relieving herself on Tuesday. My delivery was so sudden, said the Burry Calby. See, this, this is even illiterate. I don't even know if this is for real. I guess it is. From Yahoo News. Bury Kelby, mother of the infant, born two months prematurely. I didn't even realize my child had slipped from the hole in the toilet. Yeah. Are you following that? Uh, yeah. Not far, though. I don't understand what that means. Kelby, a 33-year-old woman from the village in Rajasthan, fainted on the toilet seat after the birth for a few minutes before waking up and alerting her family. There's a baby in the bowl. Oh, I see. Look at that. It's, oh, no. See, I didn't understand. It slipped down the uh, hole and out of the tracks. Yeah, you didn't know that's how they do it there? <laughs> oh, maybe that's where that curry aroma comes from, but I don't think so. They stopped the train and ran out of the tracks to find the baby, she said, speaking from her hospital bed in the western city of Ahmedabad. Ahmedabad. Railway staff at a nearby station were alerted and soon found the newborn girl lying uninjured on pebbles by the track. She's now in intensive care because of her premature birth, doctor said. Most toilets on Indian trains are filthy chutes which empty directly onto the tracks. Two loose lot tracks, baby. How do you like that? So she gave birth and the baby flopped down into the toilet and right through the hole onto the tracks. Nice. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying a word, okay? I don't want to get into a whole ethnic thing. I mean, aren't there like almost a billion people in India? There's a billion people in China, and half of them live in Toronto. Hmm. And thanks to whoever sent that information uh, this morning, oh, you passed it that? on to me, about the uh, British Commonwealth thing in Hong Kong and about how, uh, well, whatever. Mm -hmm. And they could live wherever the hell they wanted. It still doesn't explain, though, why they came here. I mean, right. Canada obviously was part of the British uh, the Commonwealth. And still they got this obsession with the Queen and uh, the whole deal, man. Queens on the $20 bill. Let me, oh, let me reach into my wallet. Oh. Gonna pull out a loony? No, you don't keep loonies. You, you keep changing your wallet. I don't know what a loony is. Loony is a coin. It's a $1 coin. Toonie is a $2 coin, and a loony is a $1 oh, coin. Good. You sound a little loony to me. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, next time you come up here. That's right. I'll show you the ropes. I'll throw you a loony or a toonie. Let's see what that price of oil is right now, Mr. President. Oh, thank God we hooked that long American up to the uh, uh, oil in Iraq. Not all the lies. Oil 101.43 a barrel. What a bargain, baby! It's up a buck seventy-nine today. There's the Queen on the twenty-dollar bill. And this, I never noticed that before, but it says French first vin, v i n g t, oh, really? vin, yeah, huh. and then twenty dollars. Although, if you turn, uh, look on the side, it says Bank of Canada, and it says Bank du Canada in French. Frog, frog bastards. Now, all of you French Canadians that are, uh, there probably aren't too many down there now. It's not the time of the year, end of February. They're usually there December and January, invading, especially now with the very, very uh, uh, 
heavy-duty Canadian dollar that's worth like a buck two now against, back over a dollar against the American dollar. Disgraceful. Thank you for that, too, Mr. President. You butcher, you bastard, you lunatic, you maniac, you dumbo, you simpleton. Gail Collins, I, I like her. She's uh, She's got to be new in the New York Times. I don't know, maybe I just discovered her. I don't think so. You think? I think. Hillary Buckeye Girl. If Hillary Clinton were a state, she'd be Ohio, Gail says. This is a no-frills kind of place, suspicious of glamour. Barack Obama's promise to make politics cool again doesn't necessarily resonate here. Eight presidents came from Ohio, and the coolest was William McKinley. <laughs> oh, you can't get much cooler than that. When I grew up in Cincinnati, we always rooted for the players who worked really, really hard. Not the ones who were so talented they made everything look easy. If Hillary were a baseball player, she'd be Pete Rose, minus, of course, the unfortunate gambling issues and the tendency to scratch inappropriate places while standing in the infield. Oh, not in Italy. So there she was Wednesday here in Zanesville, holding an economic summit in a gymnasium with a huge table stuffed full of participants, including the founder of Weight Watchers, former Senator John Glenn, the heroic astronaut who once put the entire Democratic presidential convention to sleep with his keynote speech, and the governor of Ohio, a vice presidential hopeful who looks like an unidentified passerby. We have to start acting like Americans again and roll up our sleeves and start solving our problems, Clinton said, launching one of the least exciting discussions of economic development in memory. There she sat, one of the best-known human beings on the planet, the first woman ever to be a serious U.S. presidential contender, the face that launched a thousand books, the former first lady, current U.S. senator, and survivor of the most famous sex scandal of the century, and yet she's managed to become the boring candidate in this primary. This is one of the great anti-glamour stories in history. How could Ohio not relate? If Hillary can win this one, and if she doesn't, she's as cooked as reheated risotto, it'll be because people here worry that Barack Obama's getting, getting show-offy. It's not his fault, contrary to rumor, he's not planning those people who faint from excitement at his rallies. Nevertheless, they continue to topple, and by now Barack is so used to this particular crisis that it's become almost part of the rally routine. If we have an EMT in the house, I think somebody just got faint, he said calmly, when a woman keeled over in front of the stage in Cincinnati. They just need a little water or some juice. At the debate on Tuesday, Clinton followed through on her promise to hit Obama hard on the campaign flyers that she said mischaracterized her positions on trade and health care. She had been building this confrontation in terms usually reserved for professional wrestling grudge matches. But earlier that day, a right-wing radio commentator at a John McCain rally denounced Obama in terms so over the top that McCain felt obliged to apologize. After that, a sloppy quotation mark in an after pamphlet sounded pretty petty. What's the Clinton campaign come to when she can't equal denunciation time from a right-wing nutjob? Back around debate 10, low those many debates ago, Hillary routinely wiped the floor with Barack. He was reluctant and stumbling. She was confident and presidential. Then, as Adam Nagorny pointed out in the Times last week, he suddenly evolved. Now he's better than she is, calm and witty at crucial junctures, always to the point, never obsessing on the small stuff. After this week's debate 20, Hillary's people gloated over the fact that Barack had said he agreed with her entirely on several key points, as if this was an admission of weakness rather than the key to his campaign, the promise to find whatever consensus there is and build on it. If Hillary is stumbling, it may be because there just isn't any good path to take. Nobody wants a bloodbath, and fighting against the first possible African-American president can be as tricky as going after the first possible woman. Still, she might have been able to handle all that, and the fact that he's a product of Kansas and Hawaii and Kenya, of Christians and Muslims, of a single mom on food stamps in the Harvard Law, if he didn't also turn out to have the best learning curve in political history. You don't often see a candidate on a trajectory like Obama's, and at some point it will inevitably head down again. But until it does, even the original Bill Clinton would have a hard time beating him. If things don't go well for Hillary over the next few weeks, some of her consultants may need retraining for a promising new career, say, in motel management. But here's what I hope she understands. She's done fine, and she'd probably have won the nomination walking away if Barack hadn't picked this moment to mutate into Barack. 
You do your best, and if things don't work out, it just wasn't your time. Life isn't always fair, all of which Ohio understands very well. Biggest names. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. Thank it, baby. Once there was this cow who went into a slaughterhouse. Then they cut him up and when they went to gut him, his poo got all over the fresh ground beef. They couldn't quite explain it. Sometimes this just happens. <laughs> <laughs> 1145 at 560 WQM. That just got me cold for meeting another burger. Yeah, likely story, fat bitch. Who the hell is she kidding? She is just, uh, I, I don't know, I have no words to describe. In fact, I go to great lengths to make sure that her puss never comes on my TV screen. What about her face? Or that either. And the reason being that, because uh, I watch CTV News every night at 6 o'clock if I'm home, and she's on on the same channel between like 5 and 6. Mm-hmm. So I make damn sure I don't, and not even one second, you follow what I'm saying? I don't want to even see that yeah. Harpo thing at the end, you know. I don't want to see her. And the same with Dr. Phil, who needs a big pill. Dear to the dear. size of his. Rectum. What? Dear to dear to dear, Dr. Phil. Yeah, Dr. Phil, good old boy, phony, uh, phony baloney. And you know something? He's exactly, he's the male version of what she is, only she pulls it off better, you know. Right, well, she She's created a much him. better con job. Wouldn't you think? Imagine. 197 vote on the uh, second poll there, 187, excuse me. And Chris is very excited about it. I'm extremely excited. No, you're not. Hey, what are you talking about? How old were you when you first engaged in oral sex? Maybe that's why he's excited. 19 and up, 63. 16 to 18. And now, keep in mind that we don't have like a lot of young whippersnappers who listen to the show, so that kind of like, uh, you follow what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Kind of like colors the uh, whole thing. You ever color your thing? Not lately. 19 and up, 63. 16 to 18, 57. 13 to 15, 42. 12 and under, 17. 9%. 12 and under. Let's do the overs and the unders. Let's get Eddie K on the phone. What do you say? I wonder how he's doing. Is he still alive? I don't know. Never have had uh, oral sex, 8. Never engaged in oral sex, 8. That's 4.2% uh, of our very, very uh, sexually hysterical audience. I, I don't know. That doesn't surprise me. Hmm. There are people into other things, you know. Wreck them. But never let them. We're not going to do a pull on that. I'll guarantee you that. Not we anymore. Get Joyce, Tom. Not fact, anymore. Even this one, which we've done long ago, but I'm, I'm not all that confident about this one because you know Joyce. You know what that Clarence said a long time ago about how Joyce has a problem with penis and vagina? Remember that? Yeah. He, well, did, he did say that. Now we understand why. All these things seem to be fitting together now. That's a bad way to put it. The two sons of Ann Richards, the late former Texas governor, are objecting to an Internet video published by Swillery Clinton's presidential campaign that suggests their mother would have supported Clinton. 
Clinton's campaign had permission from Richard's youngest daughter, Ellen, who said in a statement provided by the campaign that her mother was an ardent feminist who would be thrilled by her friend Hillary Clinton's candidacy. I believe that if my mom were alive today, she'd be stumping across Texas and around the country supporting Swillery for president, her statement said. Richards was governor from 91 to 95. She died in September 2006 at the age of 73. The two-minute video on Clinton's campaign website comes a week before the Texas primary and targets women voters in the state. So many women around Texas and America are saying, Wish Ann was here for us and for Hillary, a female voiceover says on the video. Today, Ann would be asking all of us to make a statement. She'd be traveling to every small town and big city in Texas, urging all of us to take a stand, be counted, to make a difference, and make history. It says while a picture of Richards and Swillery appears on the screen. This one's for Texas. This one's for our country. This one's for Ann. But sons Dan and Clark Richards, partners at an Austin law firm, say nobody can know who the outspoken and opinionated former governor would have supported in the race between Clinton and Barack Obama. As her children, we never presumed to know her mind when alive, and we're not prepared to make a claim as to who she would endorse or what she would do if she were still with us, they wrote an email last week. We're not granting permission for her name to be used in advertisements on behalf of either candidate. The email provided to the Associated Press by Dan Richards was sent to Kathy Bonner, a friend of their mother's and member of Richards' administration. Bonner's working with Clinton's campaign and sent Dan and Clark Richards an early copy of the video February 19 to make sure you're okay with it. Dan Richards said in an interview Tuesday that they denied permission and he's angry as hell the campaign pushed the video anyway. He said the campaign contacted him again last Friday to ask him to reconsider. He repeated his objections. They asked me if I would sue the campaign and I said no. I wasn't in the business of suing the campaign, but I didn't think they should do it, he said in a telephone interview. I try to present who she'd endorse a year and a half after she died. Trying to do that is offensive to me. Kathy Bonner said in an interview that after Richard Sons objected, the video was edited to remove photos of the family. We're not saying we speak for the family, Bonner said. She said the video is a statement from the former governor's supporters about the strong bond between Clinton and Richards. In other words, another freaking lie. Desperate. Act of desperation, Swillery. And Richards' fourth child, Cecile, is president of the Planned Parenthood Federation of America. A spokeswoman for the organization didn't return a telephone call Tuesday night seeking comment from Cecile. I wonder if Cecile is related to Lucille. Remember Lucille by Little Richard? I'm sure you do. I bet you got it. You know Lucille? It. You got it? Loose wheel? Yeah, loose wheel. That's what they had on that train in India, loose wheel. Thank God it didn't go over that little baby that fell uh, out the toilet hole. Well, I guess that baby fell out of more than one hole on that day, huh? Oh, boy. There he is, little Richard. Hey. You fell. Hey, Richie. 202 on the second floor. When we get to a million, we can go home. I just got that bullet. Tutti Fruity. Yeah, that was for you. Oh, thanks so much. I thought you were going to play Tutti Fruity Alice. Oh, there you go. You don't want to be doing that. Don't be making fun of Alice. She, he's got some, she's got some health issues right now. I forget what it was. Norma sent me an email. Of course, Norma sends me a lot of emails about stuff that... That you don't care about? Yeah. I, well, you said it. I didn't. You thought you know, it, the though. the onion? What? You thought it, though. I thought what? That you don't care. You want to try to make me sound like uh, bitter and hard-ass? No, and, just uh, honest. I don't care. Insensitive. Don't care. And, no. Yeah, I really don't care. I mean, you know, if something bad would happen, it would be unfortunate, but nevertheless. Satirists at The Onion are reporting that electronic voting company Diebold accidentally revealed it already had rigged the 2008 election in favor of Senator John McCain. 
Those are the satirists at the Onion, keep in mind. But nevertheless, uh, a minor software glitch at the Diabolic Corporation today caused thousands of electronic voting machines to accidentally release the results of the 2008 presidential election months ahead of schedule, reports a straight-faced Onion News Network host in the video. I don't even know if I can enjoy the sham election now that I know who's going to win, said one voter on the street. As another one rude, if you can't trust your shadowy overlords to keep a secret, what's the purpose really of voting in a puppet democracy? A bogus spokesperson for Swillery is shown before the press saying Clinton isn't about to give up just because she lost the election. She'll give up when she's supposed to on election day and she'll act surprised. The real Bible gained infamy for allegedly mishandling the elections in various states, problems that led to its CEO's resignation in late 2005. The company's election subsidiary was rebranded as Premier Election Solutions in 2007. Like, like changing the name is going to change anything, which, of course, we know it won't. I think we ought to take some calls today. No. Not. Now, how, how are the calls on whatever day that was, Tuesday? Uh, you know, smattering. A splattering. What, a smattering of good calls or just a smattering of calls? Period? You know how it goes. Remember in the olden days when we used to have calls and like you'd be like on a roll there and you'd think that, hey, you know, there are people out there participating and then uh, yeah. and that was it. It would last for like a segment or two and that was it. Mm-hmm. It was like that. Oh. And then what? And then uh, I spun wax. <laughs> no, you definitely no, did, I did not. not. I did no, not. you didn't. No, I didn't. I just, you just uh, say that to yeah. aggravate me. That's right. This spinning wax. <laughs> I was just... We could do that, though, but I'm not going to. Yeah. Anyway, in a couple of minutes, we got that uh, Neil deal coming up, Blue Moon. Can't Blue wait. Blue Moon on Coral Springs. Is the food there yet, by the way? No, not yet. It ne- is coming, though, right? Neither is Martha. That's right. You're sure now? I'm positive. Because they've been on with us a couple of times before, she, and the food is always sensational. She and sent me a nice text people. saying she was on her way. Really? Thanks, yeah. Martha. Mm-hmm. We love you. I do. And don't do anything to Dr. Chris's food, okay? He's already We don't care. Him. Go ahead. Doctor it up. Yeah, doctor my she eyes. She can do no wrong. This, uh, this pool, I don't know. I, th- I think we need a different one. <laughs> you want to know why? No, why? there's nothing wrong with the pool. It's just that the numbers, you know? I don't like reading numbers. That's all he does is read numbers. The numbers from the pool, the numbers from the uh, uh, presidential polls, and the numbers, 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 yeah. Specifically, it was a toss-up. She jumped at the chance to answer it. What can you tell me about the man who's going to be Mr. Putin's successor? Well, I can tell you that he's a hand-picked successor. But that wasn't the part that got noticed. Do you know his name? Uh, Medvedev, whatever. Yes. Whatever. All right. Vladimir Putin is expected to be elected president of Russia Sunday. Hillary's ever-so-slight stumble was echoed by many folks not running for president. Medvedev. 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 <laughs> oh, my God. Woo. Medvedev. Full disclosure, I did not know his name. I only knew it began with an M. I had to Google it, and I still can't pronounce it. Dmitry Medvedev. Now Hillary's slip-up has hit the web, dubbed by some Hillary's W moment, a reference to the time George W. Bush, then a presidential candidate, was asked who the president of Pakistan was. I can't name the general. It's general. From General Musa. <laughs> and these people are, uh, oh, my God. Doesn't that scare the hell out of you? A little bit. Tongue-tied. Duh. In other words, stupid is basically what it boils down to. Stupid. Not tongue-tied. Stupid. 
totally uh, unqualified. But nevertheless, don't, feel, don't confuse the American people with that because you want to know why? Why? Because they can relate to it. That's why uh, W had so much popularity once upon a time. Remember those days? Once upon a time. Before most people realized he was way dumber than they were. Well, one thing when he was just dumber than they were, but when they realized he was way dumber than dirt, then they thought, well, maybe this ain't such a good idea. There's that pasty-faced, fat-faced fart from a buffalo, Tim Russert. What a fool he is. Turlard, it beat at 12 to 1 hour on WQAM. Well, I never thought I'd find the kind of ride that I'd be tooling around in today. Now it's a classic set of wheels fixed up the way a brother would like it. Now it's a clean and shiny, and the trim is cold and it dies under my seat. I've got a can of liquid cherry yolk. Aw, baby. Coconut, granada, cherry, chariot, me, baby blue. Aw, baby. Shiny little velvet little smelly machine. Took the suspension out, so I bounced down the road in a big daddy super flyway. Now with the office stop, no big deals of they all get around the peaks and the brakes. A 1979 Mom Paul Catalina. She's sure looking fine now, it's my baby Cadillac. Aw, baby. Coconut, granada, cherry, chariot, me, baby blue. Aw, baby. Shiny little velvet little spirit machine. Yo. I got my windows down on a hot summer day, cause the AC don't work no way. The sweaty crash our seat starts to smell, it gets the dusty working overtime. And on my back seat you find a shiny ground that smell like lime, that's my carpet shiny too, cause I'll be washing it with Amarol. Microscopic wheels going over speed bumps and too smooth. Ah, baby. Fresh for Laura dear, you'll be fancy to me, baby. Ah, baby. Couple three at five sixty WQM. I don't think we've ever done this before. All fifty certificates are gone and they're being processed. Am I reading that right? Yeah. Chris? Yes. How's that possible? Uh, they're well-known. They're perfect. They got good food. Yeah, well, that's what I said. One of our most, uh, but I mean, in by the time I was able to click on to WQM.com, it said um, quantity remaining, and it's zero. zero. Oh, it was kind of like right. Joel Feinberg's numbers before he left across the street. Oh, Point oh. zero. They're all gone. And once right. they're gone, <laughs> they're gone. That's right. So what are you guys eating now from Blue Moon? I'm chewing my gum. They're not, they're like uh, in the parking lot or something. Oh, they're, they're just arriving there. Well, yeah. you know, something that's, tell them when they get there, guess what? All the stuff is gone. But That's all right. But are you still going to eat, though? Right. And rave about the great food. The menu, you can see the kind of stuff. Not that it isn't on that copy, but, but, but obviously, since this is the third time they've been on with us, the right. audience out there is so enchanted. See, one thing about a place, if people really fall in love with it and... Um, right. The food is sensational, and the service is good, and the prices are right, and stuff like that. They uh, will jump on these things, man. When I say get praised, 
They were poised, baby. Mm -hmm. How do you like that, Jolly Joe? How do we sold it out in about like five seconds? All 50 of them. Eat your heart out, Footsie. Oh, and did I tell you what Footsie is doing now? He finally got off the best pizza, which he, he milked that thing for about 75 years. Now he's on the best cheeseburger in town. <laughs> and he's doing it the same way, two at a time, every day, day after day. I'm going to tell you something. This is, uh, I don't know, this market. I got some really amazing stories here, by the way. But what? About 9-11, for example, and about McCain's birthplace, and he may actually not be qualified. He may not legally be qualified to run for president. Newly released records obtained through a Freedom of Information Act request contradict the 9-11 Commission's report on the 9-11 attacks and raise fresh questions about the role of Saudi government officials in connection to the hijackers. The nearly 300 pages of FBI timeline used by the 9-11 Commission as the basis for many of its findings were acquired through a Freedom of Information request filed by Kevin Fenton, a 26-year-old translator from the Czech Republic. The FBI released the 298-page hijacker timeline on February the 4th. The FBI timeline reveals that alleged hijacker Hazma Al-Gamdi, who was aboard the United Airlines flight which crashed into the South Tower of the World Trade Center, had, a, had booked a future flight to San Francisco. He also had a ticket for a trip from Casablanca to Riyadh, the capital of Saudi Arabia. Though referenced repeatedly in the footnotes of the final 9-11 Commission report, the timeline hasn't been previously made available to the public. The FBI timeline is dated November 14, 2003, but appears to have been put together earlier since the last date mentioned in the documents, October 22, 2001, and was provided to the 9-11 Commission during its 2003 investigation. The final commission report cites the FBI timeline 52 times. The FBI timeline reveals that Al-Gamdi, the alleged United uh, hijacker, was booked onto several flights scheduled for after 9-11 attacks, a piece of information not documented in the commission's final report. According to the FBI timeline, what I say? I said it right. Al-Gamdi was booked on another United Airlines flight on the very same day of the attack. On page 288 under an entry pertaining to H. Al-Gamdi, the FBI timeline reads, Future flight scheduled to depart L.A. for San Francisco International on UA 7A on 50. The sourcing simply reads UA passenger information. The timeline similarly documents Al-Gamdi's bookings for several other post-9-11 flights, including one September 20, 2001 from Casablanca to Riyadh, another September 29, 2001 from Riyadh to Daman, Saudi Arabia. No additional information or explanation is offered in the FBI timeline itself. In January 2000, here comes the most interesting part, the Saudi connection. Bomb their ass, baby. Go in there and hook up the big American those, uh, oil wells. And suck every drop of oil out of the ground there and just tell them to give them what for, okay? Oh, hurry back. Two came back. Uh-oh. Well, we got two more for a blue moon. Two came back after they checked oh, out the 50. one's down. And one went over, and uh, it'll, it'll go quick. If you've been trying to get one of those, there's one left. NeilRogers.com. I'm excuse me, WQM.com. See now they got me doing it. I'm confused, but that's that's nothing new. Now you're going to listen to this very closely and carefully. Well, while I eat, yeah. Oh, the food is there. What oh, do you yeah. got? I got my fillet with the blue cheese on top. Wow. Some vegetables and taters. Oh, it's sold out. Cakes. It's official now. Sold out. What do you got, Chris? Well, I have sold out, but not official yet. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about her food. <laughs> What a putz. I think he's still picking through it. Oh, what do I have? I'm sorry. I have a filet. I have a, like a George filet with um, green beans, potatoes, and uh, some other stuff in it. Mm. Very, very, very good. In January 2000, then FBI Director Louis Free and CIA Director George Senna attended regular briefings as Malaysian intelligence conducted surveillance of a terrorist summit meeting in Kuala Lumpur. 
Among the attendees were Nawaf al-Hazmi and Khalid al-Mindar, two men who were later allegedly hijacked American Airlines Flight 77 and crashed into the Pentagon. A week after the Malaysian summit, al-Mindar and al-Hazmi traveled to the U.S. According to the 9-11 Commission report, they arrived in L.A. January 15, spent about two weeks there before moving to San Diego. The footnote for this item shows that the Commission relied on a different FBI report, Summary of Pent Bomb Investigation, February 29, 2004. But the FBI timeline contradicts this claim, placing the alleged hijackers in San Diego with specific details. According to the timeline, the two men resided in apartment 152 at Parkwood Apartment, San Diego, from January 15 through February 2, 2000. A rental application shows that before renting apartment 150 Parkwood Apartments on February 5, 2000, al and Nawaf Azmi alleged that they resided with blank, redacted, from January 5 to uh, February 2 in apartment 152 of the same complex. Page 52 of the FBI timeline reads, Two pages later, the same apartment complex is noted again, this time with its full address. In other words, according to the only public account, both Al-Mikhtar and Hazmi were in San Diego, not Los Angeles, contrary to the Commission's report. Why did the Commission use an alternate source for the whereabouts of the two men when the FBI's own timeline said they were in San Diego by January 15, the same day as their arrival in the U.S.? Paul Thompson, author of the Terror Timeline, year-by-year, day-by-day, minute-by-minute, a comprehensive chronicle of the road to 9-11 and America's response, has been waiting through the FBI timeline since its release. His preliminary analysis can be found at the website of the History Commons. Thompson believes the possible motives for the commission to alter the dates is to obscure official Saudi ties to the hijackers. He points to the redaction of the name of a person who is a known employee of a Saudi defense contractor, Omar al-Bayoumi, who lived at the same location. We know it's Bayoumi, said Thompson, because after 9-11, the Finnish government mistakenly released a classified FBI list of suspects that showed Bayoumi living in apartment 152 of Parkwood Apartments. It's also important that strongly suggests that hijackers already had a support network in Southern California before they arrived. In the official version of the story now, the hijackers drift around L.A. listlessly for two weeks before chancing to come across Bayoumi in a restaurant, whereupon he's an incredible good Samaritan and takes them down to San Diego and pays their rent, etc. But from the FBI's timeline, we know the hijackers started staying at Bayoumi's place on January 15, the very same day they arrived. So obviously they must have been met at the airport, taken care of from their very first hours in the U.S., which is huge because the FBI maintains to this day that the hijackers never had any accomplices in the U.S., eh? Robert Baer, former CIA case officer in the Middle East, who's seen no evil, the true story of a ground soldier in the CIA's war on terrorism, became the inspiration for the award-winning film Syriana, concurs with Thompson's view. There are enough discrepancies and unanswered questions in the 9-11 Commission report that under a friendly administration, the 9-11 investigation should be reopened. He wrote an email message Tuesday night. Bayoumi clearly offered material assistance to the 9-11 hijackers. But let's, uh, you know, let's cover up that Saudi uh, connection. It's not good for business. Remember, Bandar Bush was at the White House drinking fine wine and smoking fine cigars with El Presidente? Oh, cigars, that? Right, yes. Right after 9-11? Mm-hmm. Oh, but that's all paranoia, Neil. That's all our government. Well, yeah, right. That's right. Our government is honest. Make no mistake about that. They never would lie to us. So is it official sold out now? Seven minutes. We sold out in seven minutes. Let's hear it. Is that a record? No. Actually, they own the record if one minute. Really? Well, ours would, yeah. have been, it would have been less than a minute, really, if it wouldn't have been for the fact that uh, there were a couple of... You know, there was Boca again with his Jay Byron's card. Well, guess what he did? He, he cut up, he sliced in half his old Burdine's card and sent me half of the uh, stuff in the... Uh, maybe that's why it took so long. Did to he really? To get yeah, his old Burdine's <laughs> card. Now, I wonder, is Burdine still in business anywhere? Not that I would try to use one of his old credit cards. You do understand Right. I wouldn't want to use one of his current ones. He didn't really have to cut it in half. (laughs) Oh, 
Wait till he sends me his old Zares card. I can't wait for that. You know, speaking of our 30, my 32nd year on the year in this market, that was one of the most interesting. I mean, I don't know if the audience thought it was interesting because most of my listeners were over the age of 100. They were death plus 20 at KAT. But there was a guy who was a professional credit card collector. I don't know where the hell I found him. But anyway, uh, he was a guest on my show. A credit card collector? Like, well, how many accounts words, he, he have? accumulated as many credit cards as he possibly could. And then, of course, used them, you know. I see. And so he inspired me. The fact that he was going to be on the show, I guess I booked him a few weeks ahead of time or whatever. Yeah. Or in reading the story about him. So I, I said, and of course, here I was making 225 bucks a week. And somehow, some way, at that time, I had my first American Express green card, and I had my first uh, Visa card from Fagship Bank, I guess. And that was it. And then that, that was it. Yeah. And I was able to get 80 zillion credit cards. I started accumulating two, and then, of course, using them and piling up all kinds of debt. But anyway, so the day that I had him on the show, I'm trying to remember which one it was. I had Neiman Marcus, and I had uh, Jay Byron's, and I had a bunch of them that he did. I guess maybe Jordan Marsh he didn't have. Because he, he, he brought them in like, like in a big book, like you collect stamps in, you know? Yeah. And he had all the credit cards like in, uh, like displayed in the book. And I had one or two of them that he didn't have, and he just freaked out. He had to get an application for it. Where do I go? What's the number? And et cetera. And like I said, it was mildly interesting then. And maybe not so interesting now. No. I don't follow the name. Maybe I am. The sports leader. Hi, this is G. Gordon Liddy, and they don't come any worse than Neil Rogers. Have you been abused in the workplace? Raped or screwed? Place your career in my silky smooth hands. Hello, this is Norma Kant for the lore orifices of uh, Norma Kant. If you need me to conduct business on your behalf, let me explore for you. It may take up to 13 months for me to explore, but I will explore... For you, call 1-800-THERE'S-SO-MANY-MEN-TO-EXPLORE. That's 1-800. Maybe I should not schedule syndication meetings for Christmas Day. If your cell phone does not work because you're in California, call 1-800-I-WANT-TO-KEEP-NEIL-HOSTAGE-TO-SOUTH-FLORIDA. Call now, and you will receive a free cell phone, one that works almost as good as mine. That wasn't my cell phone. His name is Cesar. <laughs> oh, maybe Enormous having a Cesar salad. It's 1222 at 5.60. Maybe he's helping him toss the salad. Uh, so the Blue Moon Cross Springs location will be open for lunch in two weeks, and... They have a two-for-one lunch promo that they're going to have, uh, that they've been doing successfully at the East Side Blue Moon for 10 years. Right. They're going to be doing in the Coral Springs. Did I read that right? They're both great locations. The East Side is on the water there, you know, so right. watch the boats go by, that kind of thing. They've been doing the lunch there, so now they're going to do it at the Coral Springs location, too. In two weeks. Yes. Two-for-one lunch. Yes. Excellente. Okay, and we thank them profusely because their food is sensational and they're great folks and what's right. not to like. apparently everybody knows that. Minutes. Well, obviously everybody knows it because as soon as soon as I clicked on her, it said remaining a zero, and I thought to myself, Cabrillet went first for the Leafs. Bingo! Jokinen with the last chance for Florida. Toscala makes the stop. Leafs win. Well, there you go. How do you like that? A miracle, man! A miracle on ice at the Macarena last night. I'm sure George was there. Oh yeah, 
going, go Leafs, go. go. I think they're saying, go team, go. Go team, go. <laughs> I'm going to have to move my plate over here. See, I, this is very unfair, although I don't need it because I'm trying desperately to get back into the 180s again after right. ballooning up to 194. Did I tell you that? Yes. You'd have been, you'd have been embarrassed. That was very bad. But now I'm like 190 again, so I'm, I'm on the verge. Maybe tomorrow morning I'll be like back in the 180s again. That's good. We're eating nice Atkinsy steak now. With a, what, what did you say, with blue cheese on it? Right. Renee tag blue cheese, I believe. That's right. Mm, man. The question is that the parents of the Americans born outside the continental U.S. for generations dare their children aspire to grow up and become president? In the case of Senator John McCain of Arizona, the issue is becoming more than a matter of parental daydreaming. McCain's likely nomination as the Republican candidate for president and the happenstance of his birth in the Panama Canal Zone in 1936 are reviving a musty debate. Well, he looks pretty musty if you ask me. When you say mm-hmm. musty is the perfect word for him? Very musty. Musty and crazy. That has surfaced periodically since the founders first set quilled a parchment and declared that only a natural-born citizen can hold the nation's highest orifice. And believe me, when it comes to orifice, that's his area of expertise. So we're here. Where the hell is he? There he is. Bom, 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 Almost since those words were written in 1787 with scant explanation, their precise meaning has been the stuff of confusion, law school review articles, whisper campaigns, and civics class debates over whether only those delivered on American uh, soil can be truly natural born. How about if they fell through the toilet in a hole in the, on a train? Oh, boy. Hey, I'm eating over here. To date, no Americans to take the presidential oath have had an official birthplace outside the 50 states. By the way, we had four dropouts there in the streaming. I'm not too excited about that, but it's, it's fine right now, I think. There are powerful arguments that Senator McCain or anyone else in this position is constitutionally qualified, but there is certainly no precedent, said Sarah Duggan, an associate professor of law at Catholic University, who has studied the issue extensively. It's not a slam-dunk situation. McCain was born on a military installation in the Canal Zone where his mother and father, a Navy officer, were stationed. His campaign advisors say they're comfortable that McCain meets the requirement and note that the question was researched for his first presidential bid in 99 and reviewed again this time around. But given mounting interest, the campaign recently asked Theodore Olson, a former solicitor general now advising McCain, to prepare a detailed legal analyzation. I don't have much doubt about it, said Olson, who added, though, he still needed to finish his research. Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican of South Carolina, one of McCain's closest allies, said it would be incomprehensible to him if the son of a military member born in a military station could not run for president. He was posted there on orders from the U.S. government, Graham said to McCain's father. If that becomes a problem, we need to tell every military family that your kid can't be president if they take an overseas assignment. Duggan and others explored the arcane subject in that say legal arguments and basic fairness may indeed be on the side of McCain, a longtime member of Congress from Arizona, but... Multiple experts and scholarly reviews say the issue has never been definitively resolved by either Congress or the Supreme Court. Duggan favors a constitutional amendment to settle the matter. Others have called on Congress to guarantee that Americans born outside the national boundaries can legitimately see themselves as potential contenders for the oral office. But a beat, but a boot, but a bop. McCain isn't the first person to find himself in these circumstances. The last Arizona Republican to be a presidential nominee, Barry Goldwater, faced the issue. He was born in the Arizona Territory in 1909, three years before it became a state. But Goldwater didn't win, and the view at the time was that since he was born in a continental territory that later did become a state, he probably met the standard. But a beep, but a boop, but a bop. Wouldn't that be something like you're right before the election? Oh, McCain can't run. It's not legal. So let's stick to Mike Huckleberry in there instead. That sounds good to me. You know how many votes Huckleberry would yeah. get? About 30, man. You know, all Maybe. those Bible thumpers, baby. What? If that. Look at that. Minus 14 Celsius. Sunny, though. It looks really beautiful, man. It looks inviting. 
Most of the snow is gone, and once it's gone, you know what they say. Biggest names. The best. Cold as a bitch. That's what they say. Squeeze it. 560 QAM. The sports leader. Get in and hold it. I don't want to go on a lynching party against Michelle Obama unless... Well, Fox, Bill O'Reilly's a purveyor of hate. Green tooth rednecks think he's great. The other night, Bill did what he does best. I don't want to go on a lynching party against Michelle Obama unless... Hang him, hang him, take Bill O'Reilly and hang him. Hang him from the highest tree. One less me a country. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> well, O'Reilly ain't no Don I miss. Only right wingers can say things like this. Throws a knife at Obama's wife. I don't want to go on a lynching party against Michelle Obama unless. Hang him, hang him. Take Bill O'Reilly and hang him. Oh! Hang the bad ass from a tree. When less neocon freak. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to tie to the back of my big old phone and drag a tasty ass down a gravel road. Make them wince, wrench and twist, till a tear off the flesh off a son of a bitch. Hang him, hang him, take Bill O'Reilly and hang him. Hang his white ass from a tree, one less neocon freak. <laughs> You know who's even worse than Bill O'Reilly? What? Let me say it again. You know who's even worse than Bill O'Reilly? No. The people who watch him and buy him. Oh, with oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Who would watch that? Listen to 1233, you have to be a crazy person. Well, Bill O'Reilly said this, and Bill O'Reilly said that, and yeah, great. Well, here's some exciting news. Uh, in fact, this may uh, cause you to want to reconsider lunch right now. This is so tasty. American yeah. Airlines to offer new snacks. Oh! All right. This, this is just, uh, I don't know. I don't, it's one of those deals you don't want to laugh, cry, or just vomit. American Airlines said today it'll change the snacks for sale in economy class and begin testing new beverages on flights during the next three months. Beginning Saturday, American said items for sale on flights departing before 10 a.m. will include GNS Vanilla Honey Trail Mix and Megabyte Chocolate Chunk Cookies for $3 each. On flights departing after 10 a.m., Lay's Stacks Potato Crisps will also be sold for $3. American said it will test three specialty beverages and all food for sale flights through May 31. And, you know, it's enough to make me want to get on a plane right now. Not on that airline, though, but nevertheless. It'll offer Lipton green tea with citrus, vitamin water, and smart water, each for three bucks. Each item will be tested for one month. American's food for sale program, launched in early 2005, is now available on more than 1,400 domestic flights of two hours or more. I want some of that GNS vanilla honey trail mix, honey. And one of them megabyte chocolate chunk cookies. Oh, my God. I'm starting to blow chunks just thinking about it. Sounds so damn appetizing, you know. Well, how much is that flight going to be, like from uh, Miami to uh, New York? Oh, that'll be $2,700. But what well, if I bring my own snacks? Like, uh, what? But what if I bring my own snacks? Yeah, they, they, uh, you got to sneak them on, man. They don't want to let you bring anything on there. I, I, I don't care what anybody says. I still say, and I, know, I noticed that in economy class, even though I don't fly it. You can read it in, the, in their book, 
Air Canada. They they mm-hmm. have like uh, Subway sandwiches. Not that I like Subway, but stuff like that that you can buy. You know, mm-hmm. what's wrong with a freaking sandwich, right? Like a ham and cheese sandwich on right. would be nice. Right. Wouldn't that be great? Instead of trying all all the airlines, man, every single one of them, and especially as the years have gone by, it's gotten worse and worse and worse. Trying to serve you gourmet meals, you know. And of course, you spend a fortune right. when you fly business class, like you know, on KLM when I've flown to Europe a zillion times. You want the poached uh, uh, dead fish, or do you want the uh, right. roasted uh, rack of uh, guinea fowl? You know. Oh my God! Right. How about a Swanson Salisbury steak TV dinner? At least you know you can. Yeah, eat that, it. I got news for you. I take it. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. How about some craft macaroni and cheese? Oh, mm. excuse me, no, not craft. Sorry, Borden's. Yeah, Borden's mac and cheese. Now, see, I shouldn't have said that because I'm probably going to Woodland do later it. on today sometime. In that cafeteria, I'm serious. They have the best damn macaroni and cheese. I still don't understand why that is. Why in a cafeteria? I guess they got it down. And you see, you there's another area where, where it comes to culinary taste that your, yeah, your yeah. thing is so Sorry. far off from mine. You like the buttery, creamy Ooh, macaroni yeah, and cheese. Creamy. Mm. I don't want any part of that. Oh, yeah. Chris agrees. Yes, I do. Well, well, I'm happy for you. And he's okay? fat. So maybe we can get a big vat and smear right. it when it like And he's that. fatter than you. Know. That means he likes food more. That doesn't mean he's got better taste. <laughs> he likes food more, so that proves that he's got better taste. In That's other what, words, listen, I'm always hearing that from you fat people. It's like, I'm fat, so therefore. That means he's got lousy taste. He'll eat anything. That's what that means. Oh, well, then there you, you go. Don't, you don't pork up to that kind of a uh, size without being. Uh, there you with, go. With having any discrimination at all. Right back at you, fatty. Right. But they have the, uh, like in a big tray, you know. Steph's in here, he's fat. The big trays of macaroni and cheese. And they, like I told you, they, they take a knife and they cut like a big square of it. And they put it on the plate for you and it's just almost crisp, a little bit on the crispy side. Now, right. granted, there's that mushy, cheesy uh, ooh, melted, you ooh, know, on the ooh. inside of it. But around the edges, it's cr- like lasagna, you know, like crisp around the edges, which is the Ooh, I love that. Plate. Right, that's what I'm when trying cheese, to tell you. That's what I'm is... trying to explain to you, but you're such a hard ass, no matter that's what I different. say. Oh, you're wrong. You've got the worst days, Neil. You're, uh, you're wrong. You do have bad taste. You like guys. Yeah, but if you've seen some of the guys that I've... Uh, uh, El Paso. Yeah, exactly. You have my portion. I'm just telling you. You can taste I have seconds. very discriminating taste. In fact, if I had worse taste, I'd probably be a lot busier, but that's yeah. the problem. Well, I used to think that. What does that mean? That you had very discriminating taste. Until recently? Is that what you're trying mm-hmm, to say? That's what I'm Is saying. that another shot at Taco Taco who's upstairs sleeping right now? No school today? No school today. No school on Monday. No school. I think he's finished with that. No sugar tonight? They said, are you Mexican? He said, no, I'm finished. <laughs> well, I'm not going to tell the whole story on here. I'm forgetting. I, told, okay. I told you some of the story about the Montreal uh, trip with the uh, class and the whole. I told yeah. you some of that. I think uh, that was uh, the end of it. You know, I think uh, he'd rather have a good time. And you know what? I'm not so sure it's not the right thing. You know what I mean? Right, for some of us. Now, I, I, when I was going to Michigan State, I didn't go to school. I'm, and listen, I'm not trying to influence badly any of you uh, people out there who might want to, like, advance yourselves with higher education. But, of course, to me, it's all a bunch of crap. I mean, you have to get a certain amount of education. You have to speak proper English, and you have to do, uh, like, certain things. Mm-hmm. But... Other than that, most of what they teach you in high school is a bunch of garbage, a bunch of crap, like algebra. I had 99 in algebra, and what did that accomplish for me? Nothing. I don't know. So I went to Michigan State. I went. I would drink Meister Brow with my buddies all night and sleep in in the morning and miss class most days, go and take the exams and flunk them because I had no idea what they were all about. And they uh, asked me to leave. They said, don't come back. I said, okay. Hey, now. 
Don't knock the algebra. You might want it. Now, know. did I do so bad considering no. I didn't graduate from Michigan State? I was there for almost two years of not going to class. I didn't do so bad. Yeah, but what if you need to find the value of X? I know the value of triple X. How do you like that? Forget okay. about X. I know the, and, and Ma knew the value of X lax. Of course, she never got the value of it, but... Well, I don't know. I never got I never got around to asking if any of those uh, remedies really worked. Maybe they did work because she used they to use them every day. Ever since she was a little girl, she said she took a a laxative every day since she was a little girl. Oh, there's Ron Jeremy on uh, City Pulse. Oh my God! Glad I'm not on there. Good thing I didn't have that lunch. Two ninety eight on the poll, and eleven people have never had eleven out of two ninety eight. Three point six percent never had oral sex. And probably wouldn't even be thinking about it if you weren't such a pervert and promoting your promise to you. Let's do it. This is Eyewitness News. Fidel Castro is giving up his position as president after nearly 50 years. He says he's just not physically capable of carrying out his duties. And I will miss him. That's a fact. That's a fact. And uh, he is a he is a man he is a man of integrity and sound judgment. But he's a sports figure. He's a steady, solid leader. He just hugged me and said, "Estoy pidiendo para la vota aquí en este estado." Then what does it mean? <laughs> I don't know. The President Bush added, "Quote: He wants them to have more sex, a lot of it, to make love for 30 days in a row." What does this mean for the people? In Cuba, one position. Um, if it feels good, do it. Incredible. Oh, he sure is, man. He's unspeakable. He's unbelievable. You know, there's just if if he weren't so dangerous, I could laugh. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. If he wasn't destroying the economy and responsible for all these dead people and uh, invading other countries and uh, you know, sacrificing human beings, if it weren't for that, yeah, and all the other uh, damage he's done to the Constitution, sure. all of these things. If you know, he wasn't like, evil and poisonous, he might be a good, you know, fun guy at a party. In other words, he might be uh, funny on uh, like a stand-up comic or something like that, or a sit-down comic. 320 votes on the oral sex poll. What do we have on the first one, 1,001 or something like that? I believe it was a thousand. Oh, a thousand and one, yeah. See, George is training you now. No matter what, what I say, I'm always wrong. Well, no, because last time I looked, it was at a thousand. Let me say it again. View, click on view previous. Okay. Yes, it goes to a thousand and one. Don't you think I did that? And what does it say? Thousand and one. Schmuck. What? Now you you should, we fed you a great meal today. Was the food great? Oh, it's awesome. <clears throat> Blue yeah. moon, man. Oh, yeah. Sensational. We ought to have that. We ought to have them on every week. All right. Well, not every week, but maybe once a month. Twice a, twice a month. Twice a week. Every day. As long as Martha brings the food. Twice a day. Why? Is Martha... I mean, what is this Martha? Is this some hot chick that you're all... Or she's it's just not just lady? some hot chick. She's like the uh, co-owner, manager. She's a, she's a nice lady is what you're trying to say. Don't, don't start making time. moves on Martha, for Christ's sake. Too late. Oh. Well, have a good time. Thank you. The economy skidded to a near halt in the final quarter last year, clobbered by dual slumps in housing credit that caused people and businesses to spend and invest more sparingly. Come on, spend more like uh, President. I don't want to. I don't want to. Come on, spend a lot of money. I don't want to. I don't got it. I got it, but I'm spending it. In fact, I'm uh, speaking of lunch. What I'm going to do during the break at about uh, 20 till uh, 2, don't let me forget, in an hour, I'm going to call and order lunch. Okay. pick it up. 
What? Okay. Go pick it up and bring it to your uh, Mexican buddy and and me, of course. I don't. What are you uh, going to What are you going to get? Chicken Parmesan. Ooh, that sounds good. And of course, they put it on a bed of linguine. Now, ask me if I'm going to eat the linguine. I know better. I'm saying I won't. I know better. Right. Good. Sure. I know better. Very, very good. It ain't worth it. The Commerce Department reported today that the gross domestic product, speaking of gross, increased at a scant 0.6% pace in the October to December quarter. See, I actually am a very nice guy. Now, the audience, many people out there think I'm a rotten old hard-ass son of a bitch, and I can be if I want to, right. but I, very seldom. I tell everybody you're nice to a fault. That, that is correct. To a, to a fault. Of, but that just, you know, it just makes me feel good to be a nice person. That's right. All. I have the same problem. I don't want to be a bastard. I don't want to be a, treat other people right, like no. crap. You want to feel good about yourself. That's correct. The reading, unchanged from an initial estimate a month ago, underscored just how much momentum, how much mo the economy has lost in the prior quarter. The economy clocked in at a brisk 4.9% pace. Now, what's that number again? 0.6. That's like a number they have in the ratings across the street. Oh! Point, oh! Point whatever. Oh! Lots of... Oh! Economists had thought the newly released fourth quarter GDP would have been bumped up to a 0.8% growth rate. Uh-uh. The housing picture looked even more bleak in the new report. I got a good idea. Let's let's go into business selling pup tents. I think we can make a fortune. Sure, you pitch them all. You know, pitch a tent. Yeah, sell no, them. not at my age. <laughs> oh no, I don't believe you. Well, I'm not saying it's impossible. I, don't you understand? I'm an old man. Okay, I'm not. Saying I do understand that, but uh, I, I know you. You'll keep going till you're in the and ground. going like right. the Energizer Bunny. That's right. Builders slash spending on housing projects by a whopping 25.2% on an annualized basis in the fourth quarter, the biggest cut in 26 years. And even though economic growth slowed, inflation picked up an ominous mix that could spell further trouble for the economy. I love that, the way they put that, an ominous mix. Sure. Chris is. We used to have a lady named Ominous at the WYNZ when I worked there. Her name was Ominous Acevedo, something like that. Very really? nice lady. She was in accounting or traffic or something like that. Omnis. One of these things. Om what? One of these things. Maybe her name was. Maybe she was kin to Derek Acevedo, the jockey, years ago. I'll tell you one thing about Derek Acevedo. He didn't get too many rides, but he sure. I bet she got a lot of rides uh, off the track. <clears throat> you know what I mean by that? And no, I, explain maybe it they greased him up a little bit. I, I sure would have loved to. <laughs> hey, Derek. Mm. Now that story, I should have said. Oh God! I should read that every hour. Yeah, I agree. People will be calling their friends. Oh, you got to hear this. By the way, I got an email from somebody asking what buggery was. Silly ass bugger. <laughs> As if the newly confined, confirmed fourth quarter GDP. See, now, now you got me. I can't read. Well, how the hell could you read after all this after buggery, buggery talk, right? Yeah. Huh? It's hard to do anything after buggery. God, it's kind of a pain in the rectum. Yeah, it's hard to sit As down. As if the newly confirmed fourth quarter GDP figure of 0.6% wasn't chilling enough. The Labor Department reported today that new applications for unemployment insurance benefits rose by 19,000 to 373,000 last week. More evidence that the general economic sluggishness is spilling over into the job market. Let's take a look right now. Let me take a look. By the way, it's still minus 14. It's supposed to get all the way up to minus 10 today. <laughs> oh, my God. What a crazy person. And i got to go pick up food? I must, I must be crazy. Like John Henry. Oil, 101.3. $101.30 a barrel. See, it came back a little bit. The S&P is down 12. The Dow's down 121. The NASDAQ down 20. I'm just doing this for anybody that's got their, here comes the bunny and there goes your money, that kind of thing. 
Now, what about that exchange rate? I could go back to this network again here, but they don't want to show me. Maybe, maybe oh, Canadian, almost a dollar three, one hundred two point ninety, and the euro, one fifty-two. How do you like that? One fifty-two against the American dollar, the freaking euro. Oh my God! I better go to Europe this year while I'm still making a few bucks, you know, because otherwise I'm never going to get back there again. Not Amsterdam, though. I think I've been there the last time. Although I was curious after that story I had last week about how they're cleaning it up and sanitizing yeah. and stuff. I'm curious, like this summer, you know, when all the tourists are going to be schlepping there and everybody's going to be expecting it to be what it always has been, what what exactly will be the lay of the land? Can right. I say that? Because I, I wonder, you know, what's the draw? Because you say the food there is uh, halal, as they say. I'm going to tell you something. The food isn't just bad. It is inedible. It is unacceptable. So, obviously, there's well, a, another draw, a different draw. Now, let me tell you another thing. I spend a lot of a lot of meals at Mickey D's when I'm there. And that's not because... I mean, Mickey D's is okay. I've grown to, uh, you know... I've grown to be able to handle it. But, I mean, when that's the best you can do... There's one Chinese restaurant I like very much, Mandarin restaurant. Very good. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, how many times can you eat in the same damn restaurant? going to be a week in Amsterdam. You want to eat every meal like lunch and dinner. A lot of a lot of days I won't eat two meals. I'll just eat one meal. Mm-hmm. And then back in the days when it was really fun there, I was eating other things. But that's beside the point. We can't get into that here. It's a family show. And Joyce will go, oh, my God, we heard that. Well, we know you're a pervert. Yeah, so what about it? You show me a guy who isn't a pervert, and I'll show you a dead man. I'll show you a real stiff. Right, a liar. 338 votes on the poll. How old were you when you first engaged in oral sex? 19 and over, 129. I hope that old guy either croaked or he's out there right now listening to me read all the numbers. Oh, you're mailing it in, Neil. All kinds of numbers. Just numbers. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah, like on that check twice a month. Some pretty good numbers, sweetie. Schmuck. Old toad. 16 to 18, 111. 13 to 15, 60. Starting to get a little bit young now. And 12 and under, 26. 7.6% first engaged in oral sex when they were at 12 and under. Oh, my God. I sure hope they were, like, under uh, the bed. Never have 12. There's a dozen. That's 3.5% have never uh, engaged in oral sex, giving, taking, receiving, thinking, squeezing. That's just sad. And you keep saying that. I don't oh, I, I feel sorry Chris, for these people. Do you think sad? Do you think that that's sad? Ah, uh, you know, to never Who have cares? done it at all. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's not too good. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. Maybe they're doing other things. Yeah, but... And, maybe, and that's maybe all they, good, too. Maybe they can't do anything. Right? And, and, that? and that is also sad. Yeah, well, that is very sad. But what you're saying is that they can and they ain't. I didn't say anything. That's that's well, that's what you're thinking. What, they can do it whatever, and they ain't no, doing it. I'm thinking whatever so the sad. reason. Whatever the reason. Well, you know what? During this break, I'm going to sit down on the floor. I'm going to have a good cry. Okay. I'll, so all the people out there who could be engaging in oral right. sex right now as I speak mm-hmm. but aren't, aren't doing it. Never did it. Never. Maybe they're never going to do God. it. Maybe we should yeah. add that choice to the pool. Never will. Never oh. up, never in or something like that. Yeah. How's that go? Never, never. 346 vote on a poll. We're doing pretty good on the. Well, of course, it's about sex, you know. You know how that goes. Yeah. Anybody I know knows how that goes. I know how it goes. I'm, I'm looking much forward to my uh, chicken parmesan. Yeah. That's going to be one of the highlights of my day. See, as you get very old, I mean ancient like me, the highlights of your day are far different from what they used to be. 
chicken parmesan. You like chicken parmesan? Now, please don't yes, tell me you don't yes, like I that. Yes, I do. I like parmesan. You can parmesan anything. I'll probably right. eat it. Yeah. Real, uh, real parmesan. Oh, yeah. Shrimp parmesan, all the parmesan. Toenails parmesan, whatever. Whatever, anything. right. Exactly. Anything with melted cheese. Mm. That's why adults used to be so good. I That's told right. You, even the seats had cheese melted That's on That's right. It. Don't forget the cheese. It makes everything better. Mm. Daltz was good, and they had good milkshakes. Sure. And, uh, what happened to Daltz? They went the way of the wind, just yeah. like Wags. They went south. So many of the good places disappeared, baby. They vanished. Wags and Daltz and... Um, Sizzler. What was the, huh? Sizzler. Sizzler? For the buffet, for the all-you-can-eat shrimp. Oh. Get all what was that baked? other place with all-you-can-eat shrimp? They used to have the sangria. Oh, I don't oh, know. Are we going to go... Now, see, you're going to start yeah, doing no, this again. Listen, I have Alzheimer's, too, for different reasons. No, that's not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm making is that you're always bitching me out about this. Only the real old-timers remember those places. Anybody at the age of 100 doesn't remember these places, like the ranch house or something like that, you know. What? Somebody will remember it. Like the Monk's Inn? Somebody will remember what? The name of the place with the shrimp and the sangria. Oh. It was, um... Oh, it was like, oh, I know what it was. It'll come to me during the break. It's on the tip of my. It's on my left cheek. Well, just, right just stop the commercial. When you think of it, just stop. Just blurt it out. That's right. Five sixty QAM. The sports leader. This is Arnold. This is not a tumor. It's the one to two hour. This is an ABC News special report. Senator John McCain emphatically denies having any inappropriate relationship with a female lobbyist. The presidential frontrunner denied that Vicki Eisman got preferential treatment. Senator McCain, did you really have an affair with Miss Eisman? Yes, it was a very brief. And where did you have your filthy, sloppy sex romps? At uh, receptions and fundraisers and... Uh... <laughs> oh, gross. How many times did you two go at it, like two sex-crazed wildebeest shaved and oiled up and ready for action? Hundreds of them. And, uh... Makes me want to vomit things I haven't even eaten yet. <laughs> you bopped a lot of people, haven't you? Yes. So many great, great people and wonderful workers, uh, firemen to the police to, to senior citizens to uh, my wife Cindy. Okay, you're like a hundred years old. Did you use Viagra? Obviously, it's a great uh, experience. Is there anybody that's just so ugly that you just won't do them? Yes. Senator Clinton. Don't forget, we're going to be in Iraq for 6,000 years, baby. And, of course, he'll still be alive. He'll still be a president if he gets his way. By the way, we also crazy got crazy person. What? We also got two faxes subsequent to uh, you stay Charlie yeah, subsequent yeah. to Chicken X solving the uh, Dalima. Indeed, Dalai Lama. Yeah, it was. Uh, they had the big pictures of sangria, and they had all you can eat see him. Right, beef steak Charlie's. Yeah, I haven't been in there. I don't, I don't remember whether it was good or not because that's like a hundred years ago. Right, I, mean, yeah, I was just a little was, child. Uh, we're having a thirty-second anniversary, but my God, some of these places have been closed longer than before Jesus was an infant. There was always the black anus, uh, Angus. Well, you were bringing up yeah. Sizzler. I, I don't recall Sizzler being all that great. The place that I love, it, it which was I great. can't believe it's gone, and once yeah. it's gone, they don't and. come back. What was that place? Now, see, this is on Sheridan Street in your neck of the woods in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It was a chain, and they had a great salad bar. Oh, steak and ale. Steak and ale. Very good. Right. I but love I remember steak that. and ale. Mm-hmm. Didn't you love Me steak too. and ale? We used, we used to go there all the time. That's probably why they went out of business. No, they're still around. Oh, they are? Yeah, there's Get one on out of here. In... I've been, there's one on Kendall. I'm hmm. coming back now. 
Are you sure? Are you uh, positive? Are you I am sure. Well, considering I went there uh, for Christmas for uh, my parents, yeah. Well, the one in Hollywood was a good one, and it's, it's been gone for a long time. I hate that, the fact it's gone, because once they're gone. And it was a good location, too. Why the hell did that place go under? Probably too many cheap old bastards in Hollywood. That's why. Uh, well, Wasn't they replaced it with place? like a, a Longhorn Steakhouse, which is, you know, in the same general category. And they seem to be, uh, to be doing very well. Oh, Karen says, I've taken advantage of two different enterprise deals. and want to say thanks. My husband and I will have a drink to your health. Thanks, Karen. Isn't that nice? Cal Karen and Alan. And I thank them profusely. Isn't that sweet? Most people don't say, hey, thanks a lot for saving me all that money with these. Oh, yeah. It's all right. Thanks, Karen. You're okay, my book. Now, what was it? The steak and ale. Boy, it was good. I had good meat and a great, not a good salad bar, but a great salad bar. Nothing worse than a salad bar with, like, wilted lettuce and, like, uh, you know, generic uh, dressings. and uh, ugh. You know what I mean? Yep. But steak and ale was damn good. That's probably why it wasn't there, because, it was, you know, the steak was real steak, so you couldn't gum it. And the same with the salad. It was crisp and, like, real, you know, you, you had to chew it. Hollywood. What a place. I wonder if uh, our Greg Budell is still working at the uh, restaurant there. By, on the Sterling, I like Hollywood Sterling fine, all things considered. Sterling Country Kitchen. I'll oh, check. you met Greg Budell. Didn't you meet him that one day? Yes, I did. Was it really him? It was a couple times, actually. Did he ask if anybody liked him? We don't like you, Greg. Everybody no, hates you. He's, no, he never did. He's got problems. You know, he's got, we all have our issues, but, man, he's got some serious issues. Robert Shear, in fact, he's got so many issues that Norma Kent won't even represent him. I'm going to tell you something. When Norma Kent won't represent you, that means you've hit rock bottom. Well, that was pretty good. Robert Shear in the uh, truthdig.com. I was almost said the L.A. Times, but they, they, don't want to, uh, you know, they don't want to put his stuff. He's way too liberal for them. In fact, there's this new fascist that bought out the L.A. Times, so God only knows what kind of garbage they're going to be publishing soon. What the Times, meaning the New York Times, didn't tell about McCain, writes Robert Shear, as Republican presidential candidate John McCain, twisted briefly in the wind kicked up by that New York Times story, suggesting he'd swap political favors for the personal favors of an attractive lobbyist for the telecommunications industry. I kept waiting for the public policy punchline. Surely the Times would spell out just what it was that McCann had delivered to big media beyond what the paper originally reported. An all-too-typical congressional request that the FCC speed up its review of a broadcast licensing dispute. Vicki Eisman, the lobbyist in question, is praised on her company's website for her extensive experience in telecommunications, representing corporations before the House and Senate Commerce Committees, and for her work on the landmark 1992 and 96 communication bills. Now, that's a biggie, because the 1996 legislation, although you'd never have learned from this mainstream media at the time, opened the floodgates for massive media consolidation, thus rewarding media moguls for their many millions in campaign contributions. McCain was a big player on that Commerce Committee at the time, and I expected the Times revelation as to just how Eisman got McCain to help gift the media barons with their dream legislation, which, by the way, was the beginning of the end for all of us in this business. That was the end of radio as you yep. knew it, and I told you that at the time, and I was right. The revelation never came because the annoying reality is that McCain was one of the rare Senate opponents of the telecom bill that Eisman was pushing, as opposed to the New York Times, which, like every other major, major media outlet, pushed for the legislation, in case of the Times without ever con uh, conceding its own corporation's financial bias in the matter. McCain was one of five senators in the sole Republican, who, along with Democrats Russ Feingold, Patrick Leahy, Paul Simon, and the great Paul Wellstone, voted against the atrocious legislation, which President Clinton signed into law. The Times, which now has the temerity to question McCain's integrity on telecommunications policy, ran a shameful editorial back then under the headline of Victory for Viewers, insisting after the passage of the legislation that there was one clear winner, the consumer. 
Seven years later, the paper's editorial observer, Brent Staples, bemoaned one direct consequence of the passage of the Telecom Act under the title, The Trouble with Corporate Radio, The Day the Protest Music Died. Noting that corporate ownership has changed what gets played and who plays it, Staples observed that the top two radio owners went from having a total of 115 stations before the act was passed to 1,400 between them afterward, from 115 to 1,400. The concentration of ownership in all media was the inevitable result of the legislation that the media moguls sought. That far-reaching impact was obvious only one year after the act's passage, as Neil Hickey noted at the time in Columbia Journalism Review. Far and away, the splashiest effect of the new law during the last year has been the historic, unprecedented torrent of mergers, consolidations, buyouts, partnerships, and joint ventures that's changed the face of big media in America. He then offers a staggering list of massive, multi-billion-dollar mergers consummated during that first year. One of the early winners was Rupert Murdoch's News Corp., which quickly became the biggest owner of TV stations, bolstering its lineup of media properties such as TV Guide, HarperCollins, 20th Century Fox, quite a gift from legislation signed by President Clinton, which perhaps explains the warm relationship that subsequently developed between Murdoch and Swillery. Murdoch sponsored a fundraiser for Clinton's senatorial re-election campaign in 2006, but when asked during the Iowa primary about Murdoch's vast media holdings, including Fox News, New York Post, and the Wall Street Journal, Clinton ducked the question. Avoiding any reference to Murdoch, she conceded there have been a lot of media consolidations in the last several years, and it is quite troubling. It isn't easy to maintain an even-handed appraisal of McCain as he appropriates the Bush mantle. Of course, I wouldn't vote for him. He's willing to let the Iraq war go on for 100 years, and at the rate of at least $200 billion a year, that makes a mockery of his efforts to defeat earmarks and other wasteful government spending, beginning with a massive waste in the Pentagon budget he's done so much to expose. His capitulation on President Bush's use of torture is even more appalling, but it's absurd to attempt to pigeonhole McCain as a patsy for corporate lobbyists when he's been in the forefront of key efforts to challenge their power, says Robert Shear. How do you like that? One for the old coot. Yellen, Ali Belshi, Ted Rollins, and Dana Bass. Oh, that's right. It's the best political team on TV. And if you don't believe me, just listen to them, and they'll keep telling you over and over and over again. Well, Blitzkrieg, the best political. You know when I used to say that before? When? On Crossfire, the best political uh, briefing in television. Now, is it on anymore, Crossfire? No. no. but it was the best little political briefing. Well, that's good. See, I can't stand people that are always telling you how they're the best this, the best that, you know. Like, the sports leader. You know, like that crap. Yeah, which doesn't even make any sense. No, it doesn't make it. Oh, there's Allie Felsing. He's riding a uh, something. In the beautiful city of San Antonio. What's oh, on my the God. Hey, today, Allie. Allie. You fairy. Well, I'm here in front of the Alamo, and one might think I'm doing a little history tour of Texas, but I really am talking to people like in the rest. See, these are the kind of queens that the media loves putting on the air. People who are obvious, you know, who are like selected for their queeniness, you know what I mean? Stereotypes. It's like putting like uh, Amos and Andy, step and fetch at black people on the air and saying, or like, uh, you know, what's her name? Louise Jefferson, Wheezy. You know any people like Wheezy? I mean, it was a great show. Sure. I loved it. And I it's smoke a lot. Funny, but I'm Wheezy. Yeah. I'm a little queasy. I'm a little Sorry. weak because you ate all that great food from Blue Ooh, Moon. And I'm, what am I doing? I'm sitting mm, here waiting for my chicken parmesan, par, mm, or my parmesan, as Mr. Ego would say, parmesan cheese. I wonder if he puts peppercorns on his chicken parmesan, you think? I'm at For a reason. Season. He's another one that's basically vanished into oblivion, you know, on his make-believe radio station with his bought airtime and all. Him and his uh, boyfriends there. Very strange. I'm supposed to be the old fag, and yet he's got more of these, uh, I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know. Oh, yeah. 300 <laughs> 372 votes. Our goal was going to be 400, I thought, for this second poll. I thought that would have been just fine. You know what I mean? Oh, we're fine. Chris would have been happy with that, right? Oh, very happy. 
consecutives was total over 1,400, even though we cheated with two different polls, except for that old coot out there who, who you know, he makes marks on his arm. Like, uh, kind of like what Jay, uh, what's his name, saw in that movie? Like hash marks? Those purple veins. Jay Leto. Purple veins. Requiem. Well, what's right. wrong with you, man? I know. Just because we don't play the music anymore. I like the other purple veins. What does this mean? What? Brandon says, I saw them all on the news and the partner was crying. Who is he talking about? The partner? The partner was crying. I don't know what that means. I don't know. It says, throw Jackson's up there. Jackson's for what? Ice cream? But Jackson's isn't a brand. It's a place, right? Right. But Do, do, they, do they make packaged ice cream that you, you they, can They buy? make their own there, um, and it's great. It's phenomenal. Oh, but do they make it that you can buy in the store, like in Publix I, or I whatever? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't think so. What do you mean you don't know? You're very tight with those people. Yeah, I am, but well, I'm not very tight with what's in the about steak and quail. Yes. Oh well, see, I want to correct. I don't want. I don't want to like uh, anybody be discouraged to go there because they are. They're in Tamarack, 6399 West Commercial Boulevard. They're in Fort Lauderdale, 6300 North Andrews Ave. And they're in Miami and Kendall at 1990 Southwest 97th Ave. So there's at least three steak and quail sober. I, I love steak and ale. There's, there's nothing wrong with it. Nope. Never had a bad meal there. And the fact that they went out of business in Hollywood, maybe maybe that's a positive for them. You know, Every good Christian knows a game to play, and it's not so very hard to do. That the religious people are the dangerous people, the crazy people, and the more religious they are, they are the more dangerous and the crazier. Can anybody dispute that? No. no. 
because they make up all kinds of fairy tales, and they take old fairy tales and they try to, like, force them on you. Well, the Bible says this, and the good book says that, and blah, 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 stone your ass to death, etc. There's Wilford Brimley again with that free meter. Diabetes. Yeah, he's got diabetes. He's got a big mustache, and he's got a big fat head. I wouldn't be surprised if he's on roids. Not steroids, hemorrhoids. right. God, he's got a big-ass fat head. (laughs) He's got a big ass and a fat head. A big ass. (laughs) How can you tell him apart? That's the uh, $52 question. Yeah, his ass got a mustache. (laughs) 384 votes on that poll. I don't want to read it because there are too many damn numbers. But we're going to go way over 400. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of the whole thing. Aren't you? Oh, yeah. Tomorrow's our big 32nd anniversary show. And already the gifts are pouring in, telegrams. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, I guess after 30. That's a long time, isn't that from IOD? Oh yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, that's because that's because it sounded like everybody was having fun and it was a good that's time. That's right. We had this family atmosphere there right. and the camaraderie. That's and, right. Yeah. People from other sure. parts of the station who came in who actually listened to that's the show. That's right. You know. That's right. As opposed to in QAM where you go through the building and they're playing mm-hmm. like uh, probably power, I would think. No, I mean over there well, and yonder in that corner of the building, they don't really play anything in the hallways. I've noticed here. Really? Yeah. Even fruitcake out there at the front desk. Excuse me, who? Fruitcake. What about Carlos? Him? Yeah, what about him? He don't have any uh, thing going on? He has a weird beard. I don't want to hear about it. Ari Berman in The Nation says, Russert amplifies anti-Israel schmear campaign against Obama. I told you about that fat, pasty-faced Tim Russert from uh-huh. Buffalo, man. What a piece of... He's, he is turd on a chair. That's all he is. A big, disgusting, fat-faced, pasty-faced turd on a chair. In her 2000 race for the U.S. Senate, Hillary Clinton was repeatedly smeared for a 1999 trip to Ramallah where she kissed Palestinian First Lady Suha Arafat and listened as Arafat denounced Israel. Pictures of the kiss were repeatedly slapped over across the cover of the New York Post in TV ads and invoked by the campaigns of Rudy Giuliani and Rick Lazio The flap almost derailed Clinton's campaign. This time around, Barack Obama's been a victim of an even dirtier schmear campaign with conservative Jews and conservative Christians, rival campaign operatives, and fringe conspiracy theorists in the gutter press like Free Republic, World Net Daily, and Newsmax circulating blatantly false emails and articles portraying Obama as a radical black Israel-hating terrorist-loving Muslim. In Tuesday night's Democratic debate, Tim Russert amplified the Schmear campaign by asking Obama about his endorsement by Louis Farrakhan, which Obama didn't ask for and who he has repeatedly denounced. I've been very clear in my denunciation of Minister Farrakhan's anti-Semitic comments, Obama said, but Russert wouldn't let the issue die, repeatedly pressing Obama to reject Farrakhan. Russert then invoked Obama's pastor and asked, What do you do to assure Jewish Americans that whether it's Farrakhan's support or the activities of Reverend Jeremiah Wright, your pastor, you're consistent with issues regarding Israel and not in any way suggesting that Farrakhan epitomizes greatness? Obama never suggested any such thing. Tim, I have some of the strongest support from the Jewish community in my hometown of Chicago and in this presidential campaign, Obama said. And the reason that I have such strong support is because they know that not only would I not tolerate any Semitism in any form, but also because of the fact that what I want to do is rebuild what I consider to be a historic relationship between the African-American community and the Jewish community. At the end of Obama's answer, Clinton said, I just want to add something here because I faced a similar situation when I ran for the Senate in 2000 in New York. 
I thought Clinton would use the opportunity to defend Obama, noting the parallels of their smear campaigns, but she did not. She did precisely the opposite, bragging about how she denounced the New York Independence Party back in 2000 when it was led by Pat Buchanan and accused of anti-Semitism. In his book, Hillary's Turn, journalist Mark Tomaski called Clinton's denunciation of the Independence Party a courage born of convenience. Russell asked, are you suggesting Senator Obama's not standing on principle? Clinton, no, I'm just saying that you and that you asked specifically if he would reject it, and there's a difference between denouncing and rejecting. Obama, Tim, I have to say, I don't see a difference between denouncing and rejecting. There's no formal offer of help from Minister Farrakhan that would involve me rejecting it. But if the word reject Senator Clinton feels is stronger than the word denounce, then I'm happy to concede the point I would reject and denounce. It was a smart response by Obama, although these smears will continue to linger and grow louder if he becomes a Democratic nominee, but it was undoubtedly a low point for Russert at a moment when Clinton chose convenience over courage. Bitch. Well, I, I, you know, if I, if I had to like her, I couldn't do it. Right. I mean, obviously, right. She, right. You know, if she somehow wins the nomination, I would vote for her, but maybe I won't vote at all. Because we couldn't possibly survive another four years of, of Bush uh, Jr., you know, which is all that McCain is. Although even crazier if that's possible. Oh, here's the breaking news. I was wondering how long before they'd finally put... Breaking news! Prince Harry is in Afghanistan. Blackout He's fighting those damn media, Taliban, baby. A lot of different organizations... There he is. To ...report on it for safety reasons. He's shooting uh, it, man. That media blackout has now been broken by other media... He's serving on the front lines in Afghanistan. Aren't you proud of Prince Harry? As punch. Yeah. Still ass Brit. I'd like to see him put the Queen on the front lines over there. Look at this. Now, isn't this nice? My good buddy Ken from Etobicoke, right up the road, Etobicoke, Ontario, which is a Toronto suburb. Neil, congratulations on your 32nd anniversary of excellence as a radio personality in South Florida, where your significant contribution has made you a legend in your own time. You're a great source of information and entertainment. No one deserves recognition more than you. I toast you for your past and future achievements. With anticipation of many more successful years, best regards, Ken from Etobicoke. How do you like that? Thanks a lot, Ken. Have a great day. Don't freeze your ass off. Boy, it is so damn cold. It just, you know, it's one of those days when you look outside, even though the sun is shining and it's blue sky, it looks really cold. You know, I mean, there's not no snow. Most of the snow is gone. Yeah. But it just looks just, oh, like an outdoor freezer. You know what I mean by that? Sure. Now, let's see if we got above minus 14. I, I don't know. Minus 13. All right. All right. Now the coast is clear to go get lunch at 2 o'clock and play delivery man. Don't you think I'm a little bit old to be delivery boy? You're never too old. I'm not. I that's, that's me, man. I'm a gopher. To deliver or to accept deliveries. Now, what does that mean? Oh, if I said it, it probably has something to do with sex or drugs. <laughs> hey, listen, if I heard a knock on a door and I opened the door and there was somebody, you know what I'm saying? Delivering? Delivering. I'd say, hey, come on, come right on in. Maybe i got a big yeah. tip for you. Or a little tip, something. Either way. A little something, something, that's right. You're a good tipper. That doesn't happen, though, you know? Just doesn't happen. 395 on the pool. That's not too bad. We'll make that 400 with plenty to spare. I think we can thank Greg for doing that. Greg did a wonderful job on the pool in your absence, Chris. Well, I'm glad he did. He didn't give a crap about it. Just like George, he didn't care. And just like you. Was he better than Carlos? I don't know. I didn't have him. Well, what does that mean? Was he better than Carlos? Well, what Carlos? Carlos, well, Carlos had a fill in the other day. He doesn't talk. talk. Easy to remember. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Greg was like uh, like he was about four miles away. He was off mic most of the time. You know, I mean, what he said was fine, but he was way off mic. Well, he's not now, used to talking on a Joe show. 
Joe doesn't let him talk. Well, well it's not that he doesn't let him talk. Unless he can usually... sing a spot, how could he say anything on yeah, well, the yeah, show? Yeah, it's usually, if someone else is talking, it's usually uh, Zach, so. You feel like you got it from the factory. Yeah, like that. I, I don't, I don't I think got it from a toilet seat. Yeah. Yeah, you caught it from a toilet seat. That's right. And maybe that's the toilet seat where the baby went flying down. God, I hope not. The best talent. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. Okay, 132, if it isn't the beef, it's the onions. I'll tell you one thing we can agree on. I think, does you know anybody who doesn't like onions? I don't know anybody who doesn't like onions. Like all kinds of onions, like sweet potato onions or like scallions. Now, what's the difference between scallions and green onions? None. Really? Just easier to say green onions? Uh, okay. I don't know where that comes from, but nevertheless. You're positive now. I'm pretty damn when sure. When you hear this, man, you're going to plot. Everybody. I'm talking to everybody who's listening to the sound of my voice right now. Even those who usually don't pay any attention because they don't want to hear all these bedtime stories, but they just like the sound of my voice. Uh, listen up to this. New York Times says one in 100 U.S. adults are behind bars, new study says. One out of 100. Can we be proud of that? Okay. For the first time in the country's history, more than one in 100 American adults is behind bars, according to a new report. Nationwide, the prison population grew by 25,000 last year, bringing it to almost 1.6 million. Another 723 people are in locked jails. The number of American adults is about 230 million, meaning that one out of every 99.1 adults is behind bars. And I'll tell you something of the other of the other 99.1. There are a whole bunch of them that belong there, including most of the government. Incarceration rates are even higher for some groups. One in 36 Hispanic adults is behind bars, based on Justice Department figures for for 2006. One in 15 black adults is too, as is one in nine black men between the ages of 20 and 34. One out of nine black men between 20 and 34 is behind bars. The report from the Pew Center on the states also found that only one in 355 white women between the ages of 35 and 39 is behind bars, but that one in 100 black women are, is, be. The report's methodology differed from that used by the Justice Department, which calculates the incarceration rate by using the total population rather than the adult population as the denominator. Using the department's methodology, about one in 130 Americans is behind bars. What a bargain. Either way, said Susan Uron, the center's managing director, we aren't really getting the return in public safety from this <laughs> from this level of incarceration. No. Well, that's because a lot of the people on the outside, they're crazy people with guns. They're shooting up a whole bunch of folks. That seems to be the new epidemic now. It's like a hobby. You know? Caught on big. Sure. Whether in school or at the workplace, you're pissed off. Kill a bunch of people, man. We tend to be a country in which incarceration is an easy response to crime, as Yuan continued. Being tough on crime is an easy position to take, especially if you have the money. And we did have the money in the 80s and 90s. Now, with fewer resources available to the states, the report said, prison costs are blowing a hole in state budgets. On average, states spend almost 7% of their budgets on corrections, uh, trailing only health care, education, and transportation. 
In 2007, according to the National Association of State Budgeting Officers, states spent $44 billion in tax dollars on corrections. That's up from $10.6 billion in 87, a 127 increase once adjusted for inflation. By 2011, the report said states are on track to spend an initial $25 billion. Let's just put everybody in jail. It cost an average of $24,000 to imprison somebody in 2005, the most recent year for which data is available. But state spending varies widely from forty-five grand a year for each inmate in Rhode Island to just 13000 in Louisiana. Watch Southern Comfort, you'll understand. Do you think that's a good movie for them to watch, a little homework assignment? Yeah, it is. It's just about the cage on. Yeah, the cage on. Still, it's a good movie. As in, well, it just tells you how dumb Louisiana is. Oh, yeah. If you're in Louisiana, man, oh, yeah, it loses Pepple. the operative... The cost of medical care is growing by 10% annually. The report said a rate that will accelerate as the prison population ages. About one in nine state government employees works in corrections, and some states are finding it hard to fill those jobs. California spent more than $500 million on overtime alone in 2006. That goes on and on and on. The Pew Report recommended diverting nonviolent offenders away from prison and using punishment short of re- uh, reincarnation. <laughs> Reincarceration for minor or technical violations of probation or parole. I like that. How about we uh, have these people reincarnated and come back like as cockroaches we just step on them? It also urged states to consider early release of some prisoners. Like, for example, all them damn drug people, man. I, I wonder why this article doesn't go into any detail about all the druggies, the dangerous druggies who are behind bars, and what percentage they got comprised of this grotesque, staggering number. Because that's America for you, man. The DEA, it's a self fulfilling prophecy and if they ever like uh, loosen the laws on, on uh, marijuana or any other drugs at that point then they, they go out of business you follow what I'm saying I know it's all part you of, know, of all people sure. exactly what I'm saying mm-hmm. it's a cottage industry let's go to cottage country eh? or just do cottage what's a cottage I'm sure cottage is like what you say when somebody dies yiskadavi yiskadavi up your ass Here's somebody now. Somebody sent this in, or did you look it up? Somebody sent it in. Well, thank you very much, Peggy. Thank you, Peggy. Oh, no, I don't. Peggy's not the person who sent it. Peggy's the person who's got this uh, on, online. Peggy ain't going to be listening. What are scallions? They appear to be green onion. Are they the same? Question mark. Oh, what are all these faxes here? Oh, here we go again. Catholic priest jailed on accusation of you got to read that one. Claims he shouldn't be considered nude performing sock puppet play for children. Okay, we'll get to that after we get to our green onions. Maybe maybe the father's got some green onions in his uh, pantaloons, under his dress. Scallions are most commonly referred to as green onions in the U.S. They're a variety of young onions with a long, thin, white base that hasn't yet developed into a bulb and long, straight green stalks that look like giant chives. Both the white base and the green stalks are commonly eaten. Oh, not that. Oh, not the base. Ah, don't eat the base player. Scallions have a milder flavor than mature onions, but a bit stronger than chives. The tops of these green onions may be used as a substitute for chives in many recipes. Don't give me no chive. I thought chives was something entirely different. Now, well, now I'm more confused than I was before. Every day. Although scallions, green onions may be cooked, either whole or chopped. They are perhaps the most enjoyed fresh as in salads, as a crudite or as a last-minute topper for sauces. As a crudite, that's what the fat rich used to eat at Pompano Park on the shallot. I have the crudite dip. Crudite. crudite dip. Well, that was kind of like a dieting thing, you know. Obviously, it didn't. The dye part worked, but the rest of it didn't. You know what I mean? He put mm-hmm. the dye in dieting. I'm dying over here. And the more I think about it, the more I kiss the ground. I just kiss the table here. 
that I wasn't there at the track that night. Wouldn't that have been a horrible? It would have scared yeah, my life. It would have been sad, yeah. You don't want to see somebody that you like die. You know what I mean? It's right. not, a, not a good thing. Although there's some people I know that I wouldn't mind seeing die, but not people that I like. Oh, yeah, I got a long list of those. <laughs> oh, not Mama Sita, for example. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. no. In other words, you just want a phone Jeez, call. She's that, a that poor evil. That's right. It's a phone call. Don't do it. Do not need to see it. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The sports leader. Holy Mackinac! This is Joe Bowen, the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and you're listening to the Hockey Authority, Neil God. It's just these guys nipping suds and whatever the heck it is, and the people that call in... They're just like them, like that they're on the, uh, what do you call it, the weed, and they're high, and they're, I mean, it's terrible. For years that I've been look, uh, listening to 610, and, and this here. And this over here. Yeah. This guy had a bomb. And took a hit, then would he act like Cheech and Chong? And get the munchies and make brownies filled with hash. And would he share it with Jesus and the saints? Those pious potheads. And yeah, yeah, heart is great. And yeah, yeah, heart is good. And yeah. Case maybe 146, almost out of here, man. We got uh, Jerks back from uh, his trip to L.A., and he's out there now. Is he going to be doing a show from L.A., or is he? Well, I would assume so. Yeah, let's assume so. Let's hope that he's out there live and safe in L.A. And, of course, uh, the Heat are going to lose again tonight to the Lakers, I'm sure, so he can tell you all about that. And, of course, the Panthers lost last night in a shootout to the Toronto Maple Leafs. That was really something. They're the experts, man. With a minute eight to go in a game, they blow the lead. They they uh, they had a two nothing lead, then they had a three to two lead, and they lost again. Well, that's the Panthers for you. That's that's their speciality. A Roman Catholic priest is in jail this morning, facing several felony sex abuse charges. This is from Albany, New York, today. Father John Broderick, who is the, in the Montgomery County Jail, is accused of having inappropriate contact with at least four children, all of them in the same family. I shouldn't have read this uh, up front. I should have, you know, just gone with it. Right. Police say the alleged abuse took place over the course of several months last year. The victim's parents tell investigators that Broderick was a trusted friend. All right. News 10's Demetra Ganlis has more on the relationship between Broderick and his alleged victims. 47-year-old Catholic priest John Broderick is facing four counts each of sexual abuse and endangering the welfare of a child. 
Local attorney John Aratakis has been representing the alleged victims for about six months now, and they say they and Father Broderick had a strong relationship, extremely close, extremely trusting. The priest was involved in many aspects of the family's life. He would often perform sock puppet plays with the boys. According to Eritakis, the alleged victims and their family live in the Palatine Bridge area of Montgomery County, and although Father Broderick is from the Syracuse Diocese, he would come to the Albany Diocese to administer to the family. The attorney claims that the priest abused his role as spiritual advisor to the family and abused the four boys ages 5 to 11. The, par- the parents walked into the basement playroom and discovered Broderick with his pants removed and one of his socks placed into his erect penis. One of the vict- victims was kissing the puppet sock at the time that the parents walked into the room. Oops. Hmm. Broderick told the shocked parents that he was hot. <laughs> Yeah. I bet he was. <laughs> and removed his clothing and thought that he would not be considered nude if the sock covered his member. That's hot. Eratakis believes the Albany Diocese would have to have known about Broderick working there. But in a statement, the diocese, a spokesman said, John Broderick is not a priest of the Albany Diocese, and the Albany Diocese has had no knowledge of him prior to learning of this matter. Though these are first allegations Eratakis has heard of, he's been looking into Broderick's background and found the priest is often surrounded by children. What a surprise. He lists church youth group, church choir, and church camping activities. He then adds that the alleged victims are suffering and the family is left questioning their faith. I can't imagine why. And so should everybody else. Meanwhile, Broderick is in the Montgomery County Jail on 50 grand bail. Sock puppets, baby. There you go. You bet. He was hot. Isn't that what you do when you're around a bunch of little kids? Sure. Joe from Toronto sends me a fax. How do you like that? Congratulations on 32 years of great radio. My parents have spent the last 30 winters in South Florida. About 30, man. I have found that South Florida is a very cold place. The difference with Toronto is that it's only the temperature that's cold. Attaboy, Joe. Have a great day, eh? Thanks once again. How do you like that? Yeah, he says it very well. The temperature is cold here. In South Florida, it's the people who are cold. Right. Cold, hard hearts. You watch tomorrow, though, man. There's going to be an outpouring of emotion on our 32nd anniversary show. 32 years on the air in South Florida, baby. From WKAT to WNWS to WINZ to Zeta 4 to WIOD to WQAM. All of these things. That's right. And here we are still going, uh, still doing it. I was going to say going strong. That would be what we did in the last book, anyway. And don't forget, a week from tomorrow, next Friday, is the uh, trend. All right. Next Friday right. is the trend, and we got two good months going in there. We're dropping off a, a decent but not sensational month prior to that. So, Thank God we finally got that August thing off our back when George was on all month. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that in there for a little zinger getting even more. Right. All that crap you're talking about, my bad taste. I know my macaroni and cheese, mister. Let me tell you that right now. All right. And if I were to take you to Woodbine to go plunge your brains out and have a great time at the, and take you up into the cafeteria there trackside on the second floor. Now, do they have a Salisbury steak, too? They might. They Ooh, just might. Because I like to take the gravy and put it on the macaroni and cheese. Oh, mm. no. Mm. That ruins the whole thing. Are you no crazy? Way. Was, if mm. I have to ask. Yeah, well, yeah. You're putting crazy. meat gravy on macaroni Ooh, and cheese. Yeah. And, and you're the same guy, which I agree with you, doesn't want like a wet sandwich. Right. doesn't like dressing on a sandwich because you don't want wet bread. Right. Well, if you don't want moist Look, bread, then why the hell would you want mushy uh, gravy or macaroni? Mushy. Noodles are made with water. They're boiled. No, noodles aren't made with water. They're, They're boiled, boiled water. Right? So they start out wet. You know what they do with them, though, before you eat them? They dry them with a towel? They rinse them off. They yeah, put them in a yeah. colander. And hopefully a they colander. put some creamy Even I have a colander here in my house so that when I make my work hard pasta, mm-hmm. which I haven't been eating too much lately because I'm tired of it. I do. 
You do like it? Yep. I, I, I don't know. I, I could have some like for dinner tonight, but you know what? A couple times a week. I like wow. You know why not? You have a couple times a week? Yeah. That's yeah, all right. We'll use the flavor. It's okay. Least, it tastes uh, just like, like regular times pasta. It just doesn't have the, the tremendous effect on your blood sugar, which you shouldn't be worrying about. I should. And I did lose a lot of weight doing it that first time when I first got it. But one thing I've discovered about losing weight or dieting or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. You it always works find for it. you once will almost never work for you a second time. You want to really? know why? Because your, your, your brain outsmarts it. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, I see. Yeah. You figure out you're a way around it. Yeah. Your mind knows what you're trying to do, and your brain outsmarts you and says, Oh, no, I know what this is all about. No more scatkins for me like that, you know. I'm telling you. Have you tried uppers, speed, cocaine? Well, what are you talking about? For weight loss, you know. No. Okay. Quit peddling drugs to me, okay? Jesus, with my delicate condition, <laughs> it's the last thing I need to be doing is taking a bunch of damn street drugs. God, what a crazy person. How about some prescription drugs? I, I got plenty of those, man. Do you? I got <laughs> not the ones that Chris is taking there. The Vicodin. Oh, that's got any Vicodin over there? I don't have no Vicodin. And you forgot to remind me at like 20 to 2, which is a good thing because it only takes 10 minutes for them to make the food and it would be sitting there getting cold right now. I could nuke it, you know. I could nuke it and later we could puke it, but like that. You forgot to remind me to call in my uh, lunch order. That's right. Hey, don't forget. I wish all they had macaroni and cheese. You got me hungry for that right now. Although you don't need it. Parmesan is on a bed of lasagna, which I shouldn't eat. That's what? right. It'll kill you. The macaroni and cheese. Don't do it. Maybe a woodbine later on tonight. Mmm. Can't you? You can't envision how they do what they cut. Out. It's like cutting out a piece. No, of it's a, a big thing. It's more like a, like a baked ziti as opposed to uh, the kind that you make. Well, I like can. that. That's yeah. exactly what yeah. I'm talking about. Like a yeah. baked ziti. It's it's not baked macaroni, but it's uh, damn near like that. Right. No, I, can, like I can get into that. In other words, it's like, uh, I'm sure you can relate to it, not too hard, not too soft. You know what I mean? Right. I'm sure you do. Speaking of that, here's the last puke. Of now, the last break here is only three and a half minutes. Am I right, Chris, for some strange reason? Yes, it is uh, 3.39 total for me. I beg your pardon? Three and a half minutes with uh, your rejoinder. I, don't, I didn't need to know that. I said the last break is three and a half minutes. This guy, no matter what I say, he's got to correct it. I know he's trying to be helpful, but uh, it's like uh, 3.39, 30, uh, 22. Uh, well, that way you can plan better, you know? No wonder Cordis ripped you in ass the other day, man. He said you are the most disgusting. No, he didn't say it. Really? No, he didn't say it. Uh, well, good. maybe he did. I don't know. Maybe he was thinking. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. The Sports Leader. It's Dave O! Oh! Miami Town. Absolutely. At 560-WQAM. Goodbye, Chris Farley. You great big fatty. Always acting like a great big fat dumb retard. In every film you've ever made. Too bad for David Spade. His career could fade cause All he has left is that lame old TV show He won't be making buddy movies no more And you wanted to be just like John Belushi And have John Candy's chins You finally made it But were not too careful what you wished you gave us lots of laughter on Saturday night But you were way too young to die To commit fat man suicide 
Goodbye, Chris Farley. What did you eat to blow up like a big balloon, eating like a fool? That would only bring you certain death. The farmers are upset, and all you left was some cable movies and a few pairs of your pants that will fail to make community pools. And you wanted to be just like John Belushi and have John Candy's chin. You finally made it, but we're not too careful what you wish. Your casket could hold a piano that's six feet wide. Now you've reached the pizza in the sky. You got so fat you died. I'm dying over here. Bye, bye, bye. The biggest names, the best talent. And you're home for Miami Dolphins football. Sports Radio 560 WQAM. Miami, Fort Lauderdale. I'm cutting your head. I'm cutting your head. Hey!